on air for Panther Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview of Charlotte. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, and joining me will be our co-host, Jay Huseman. He's not here yet, but he will be shortly. So I'm going to use the time to uh, go over our agenda. We're going to shake it up as it's shown on our promo today. Our first half hour, we will do the previews of the uh we'll start with the truck series we'll do the xfinity series and then the coca-cola 620 minutes each um in the last half hour we will review uh both the xfinity series race that took place yesterday at at, uh, darlington and then the cup series race that took place on wednesday night at darlington uh at uh, the fourth half hour that is our nascar hot topic sound off with co-host Andy Lasky and our fan for racing crew. And during that time, we will discuss the hottest topics uh, leading up to and uh, from uh, the past week of racing and the next week of racing. So uh, a lot to talk about here on Fan for Racing today. And we'll go ahead and get started because our co-host is now here, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show. All right, good Friday afternoon here. A little bit of a change, but as NASCAR is being flexible with their schedule, so do we. <laughs> yeah, and and with things being so tight between the races, uh, a lot of the information that we normally have for our preview show is not yet available. So that makes it uh, a little bit interesting as well. But uh, Jay and I are going to do our best to give you as much information as possible uh, for the races that are coming up. Let me just kind of go through the schedule here real quick. Uh, The first race is actually going to be uh, the Coke 600. That race is taking place uh, with the Cup Series on Sunday, this Sunday, May the 24th, at 6 p.m. on Fox. So fans will be able to follow along with that race at 6 p.m. Monday, we will not have our radio show Monday. It is Memorial Day, but there's racing going on as well. So we'll be following that action with the Xfinity Series at Charlotte at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Tuesday is another race. The Truck Series will race at Charlotte at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. And then finally, back to the Cup Series at Charlotte uh, for Wednesday night's race on May the 27th. That race will take place at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. And then Jay and I are right back here on Thursday night for our review preview show uh, on Thursday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with Hot Topics at 10 p.m. Eastern. So hopefully things will start to slow down a little bit after that. Uh, We'll have to kind of see how that goes. Uh, But, uh, uh, again, just bear with us because a lot of times the usual format that we use is just not available, Jay. Well, I know we had that last week. Uh, I think we did pretty well with it anyway. And let me tell you, I mean, this stretch, when they first set this up, this was the stretch that was going to be the test uh, not only to us as fans and, and within the industry, but NASCAR itself, because they got four races in four days uh, is their heaviest stretch. So, again, a lot of things going on this week in the Charlotte area. 
Yes, indeed. So that's a really great time for the drivers because they're close to home. Uh, normally families, family and friends would be at the racetrack, but like everyone else, uh, we're watching virtually, and so are they, uh, and with minimal staff at the track. And, uh, of course, they did such a great job with the social distancing at Darlington. Uh, I'm sure the same thing will hold true uh, this weekend without the travel, <laughs> traveling that they normally do. So uh, a big weekend uh, for NASCAR this week. All right, uh, this weekend and during the week, next week. Uh, let's go ahead and get started with the truck series because they are, uh, as I mentioned, they are going to be racing next week on Tuesday. And uh, we haven't seen the truck series in a while, so this is kind of going to be a fun race to see these guys back on track. Uh, I know in our little chat uh, room that we do offline, um, the uh, question came up about whether or not the bounty was still in effect. I'm assuming it is, Jay. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I know that was a big thing going into those races. Um Atlanta, I know, was one of them on Miami Homestead. Uh, so a lot of fun things going on there. I hadn't heard or seen anything. Again, something like that kind of takes back seat with what we were dealing with the COVID virus. Um, and I hadn't seen anything on it uh, going into these races. So I don't know. I know we're waiting on entry lists. That's one of the things Sharon mentioned that we don't even have yet is the full entry list for these races. But uh, see what other trucks are out there for possibly going for this bounty. Because I know Kyle is running them. Yes, yes, he's running the first seven of the first 11 races that are being run uh, with NASCAR's return. Now, I do want to cover what the lineup is going to uh, be for the truck series uh, from what we do know. Uh, NASCAR has already put out that information. The order is going to be based on the Las Vegas qualifying uh, uh, results. And so positions one through ten, well, there are, they're going to be random draws again, but the way they're going to break this down is positions 1 through 10 uh, will be drawn uh, using the ra random draw. Then positions 11 through 21 will be drawn via, again, the random draw. Positions 22 through 32 will be the next random draw uh, to figure out the starting lineup for those positions. And then, of course, any vehicles that are eligible for the event in positions 33 through 40, will be assigned those starting positions based on their order of eligibility. So uh, that's the way the lineup's going to be put together for that truck series race on Tuesday. Again, under the circumstances, I know this is a little bit off the wall with what they're doing, but uh, I like the way it came out with going into the Darlington race. And then following up with the invert, uh, I think worked really well. So uh, I think this is going to be real exciting for the truck series here as well. Yes. So I think it is going to be fun. Uh, now, one thing that is going to be happening is there's going to be a lot of uh, – it's Memorial Day weekend, so a lot of salute to the uh, armed forces uh, at the race this, this weekend. And I, I'm assuming the same thing is going to be true with the truck series. Uh, what we can do is uh, we can kind of look back at uh, the most recent race with the truck series and maybe even the previous years with the truck series here. 
So uh, if you think back to the race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the last time that the trucks ran, uh, the winner in that race, Jay, was Kyle Busch. (laughs) And he's going to be racing again at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Going to be tough to kind of beat him. But we know it can Oh, I'm most certain. Most certainly, uh, I don't know about at Charlotte, but obviously that that was the whole thing behind the bounty was, uh, I believe Kyle had gone seven for seven in his last seven truck series starts. Um, That's why the bounty came about to begin with. So definitely be interesting. And just looking through a couple of names, I know we don't have the full entry list, but Eric Jones is one of them scheduled to start at um, Charlotte, as well as Ross Chastain and Garrett Smithley. Now, uh, Eric Jones was one of them that was going to contend for that bounty. Again, it has to be a Cup Series regular that comes to the Truck Series to run and uh, collect that bounty. So if that's in play, Eric Jones is one possibility. Okay, but uh, uh, what's his name? Ross Chastain would not be eligible then because he's racing in the Xfinity Series. Is that correct? Tamaya? To my understanding of the made-up rules as they were doing this on the fly at the time, that is correct, <laughs> that Chastain would not be because he is not a Cup Series regular. Okay, so just to clarify that for listeners. Okay, so so uh, keep that bounty in mind because uh, I'm thinking, I don't know if we're the only ones bringing it up, but I'm thinking it's going to come up uh, before Tuesday uh, that there's going to be some drivers that are going after that uh, $100,000 bounty uh, that was put out by Kevin Harvick as well as uh, uh, the CEO of uh, Gander RV and Outdoor Trucks uh, and uh, and, and uh, uh, Marcus Lamonis. I was trying to think of his name. Uh, what He put up the other $50,000 for that. So uh keep a keep a lookout for that now the the rest of the way that that race finished up at las vegas is you had johnny sauter finishing second uh it is a 1.5 mile track just like uh, charlotte motor speedway is austin hill matt crafton ben rhodes rounding out the top five then the next five were zane smith the highest finishing rookie Todd Gilliland in seventh, Tanner Gray another rookie in ninth. I'm sorry, eighth. Stuart Friesen finishing ninth, and in tenth place it was Sheldon Creed. So uh, uh, why don't we go over the um, what do you call it? The point standings as well, Jay, uh, so that people know how the points stand going into Charlotte Motor Speedway for this Truck Series race. All right, give me one second. Let me see if I can get that pulled up off of this same page, I believe. Yeah. Driver points. Again, these these guys are real early into their season. Again, there are a couple intriguing stories coming out of those first uh, two races. But looking at the points, and I'll start at the top with your points leader, Austin Hill, at 82 points. Johnny Sauter next with 73, Ben Rhodes at 60, Brett Moffat at 59, and Sheldon Creed at 58. Again, Grant Enfinger and Kyle Busch being your two race winners. Um, We'll get to Grant here when we do the next five. One storyline there real quick to throw in, Brett Moffat actually being able to be at the track um, had gotten injured. Uh, I want to say maybe a motorcycle accident. I don't remember what his accident came from. I think it was a motorcycle. 
Okay. Um, broken both his femurs and actually had time to heal and thus didn't miss any races for the truck series where he's racing for points. So uh, happened to play into his favor. And I believe he was in the Xfinity Series race at Darlington because I remember seeing some comments from him uh, saying that he felt all right after being in the Xfinity Series car. He was in, uh, I'd have to go back and look at results. I know he was running and battling in the top ten. I don't know if he finished there. Uh, well, we've got it. Um, let me look here. Where did Brett Moffitt finish? Uh, he wasn't in the top ten. Um, but we are going to kind of go over that information. Why do I not see him? Did he race? He didn't race the Cup Series, did he? Uh, Xfinity. Oh, yeah, there he is. He finished 11th. He finished 11th in that race. Yeah, like I said, I know I remember watching it there there towards the end. He was in there battling because they talked about him with that. Um, And it was great to see, again, that 0-2 team, not normally a top-10 team. Again, this race kind of played under different conditions, and we'll get to that when we do the uh, review of it. But great to see that for that team, as well as Brett Moffitt, again, being able to return. And like you said, feel good in the car. Truck series is where he's running for points, so that's the the main focus. Mhm. Okay, and there's eight drivers, or did they extend that to twelve for the uh, cup? I mean, for trucks. Uh, are you talking playoffs. for the playoffs? Mhm. You know, it has been so long. Now I'm trying to think. I believe they might have bumped that to ten. One of them did change. If it was that or the Xfinity. I think it was yeah, the I think, it was I think they did bump trucks. that down to 10. Okay, so let's go through the top 10 there. All right, I got through the top five. Uh, six would be rookie Zane Smith sitting at 57 points, 25 off the lead. Grant Enfinger, your uh, one regular in the truck series with the win at 56 points, but is uh, does have that win in his pocket already. Then you got Christian Eckes, rookie. Todd Gilliland driving for the number 38 this year now, uh, sitting at 54, 28 back. And then Cody Robaugh at 53, who's in a tie with Stuart Friesen, who uh, we expect to be a regular contender this year. And then again, that would be the top 10. Again, Cody Robaugh and Stuart Friesen in a tie right now. The edge goes to Cody Robaugh. But 52, 51, 50, 48 all the way down to 16th in points. So not a big margin. Again, they only had two races in, but we'll see that sort out as they they get these next races underway. Yeah, as I'm looking at this list, Jay, 29 points between that 11th place, well, 30 points if you go down to 11, um, 30 points between uh, Jordan Anderson in 12th place and the first-place driver, Austin Hill. So it's tight all the way to that position in the series point standings. The big gap uh, is between third place and second place. It goes from nine points back to 22 points back. But from there on down to that 12th place spot and further, actually, it is like one point difference and in some cases tie 
uh, tithe, as Jay pointed out. So uh, watch for these drivers to be battling for those positions and playoff points in this race. Now, uh, I don't believe, I'm looking at wins, uh, we have one driver who has a win, and that was uh, Grant Infinger. He's the only truck series driver with a win up to this point. That's when at uh, Daytona to open the season, which uh, Kyle Busch was not in, so uh, take mm-hmm. that for what it is. <laughs> but one thing there, uh, you're talking about that points gap there, 13th and 14th, you have Matt Crafton and Tyler Ankrum, two points contenders from last year that are just on the outside and then a couple of rookies, uh, Natalie De- – I'm sorry, not Natalie Decker, Derek Krause, and then Raphael Lassard. So, again, some great things going to be happening here in the truck series. And going off of that, you mentioned, again, that gap of 10 drivers now being ed- eligible for the championship hunt. Um, I know this season has been really wild, but I don't, I don't even think we've seen how wild it's going to be coming into, as we get these races in, the final for the uh, championship chase. Okay, and and just as a point of note, I went back to the uh, May race for the Gander Outdoor Truck Series uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway last year. That was run on May 17th last year. Kyle Busch was the winner. In second place, though, a lot of people may be surprised that Brennan Poole uh, finished second in that race. It was Stuart Friesen in third, Ben Rhodes in fourth, Matt Crafton rounding out the top five, and the next five were Austin Hill, Todd Gilliland, Anthony Alfredo as a rookie last year, Grant Infinger in ninth, and Ross Chastain rounding out the top ten in that race. He's followed by three rookies at last year's race, Harrison Burton, Sheldon Creed, and Tyler Dipple. So just uh, some kind of historical information, if you will, uh, with regard to this race last year. Well, and that gives some information there if you happen to be making fantasy picks. I know uh, we only got one of ours in so far, kind of waiting on the entry list. Again, there and could be some of these is. names. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I said, Eric Jones was one of them. Well, did somebody pick Eric already? Because I've only got Kyle Busch for trucks. Yeah, the only one that the only one that's been picked, uh, Mike. Yeah, you were okay. I see where you're going there. Uh, Mike did come yeah. out and already pick his as first pick <laughs> to the team, uh, and he did take Kyle Busch. So, so interesting stuff there. Okay, we're coming up on the uh, 20 minute mark here, so I'm going to go ahead and transition Jay over to the Xfinity series, um, and uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, they put on a heck of a show uh, at uh, Darlington Raceway yesterday afternoon. I don't think you could ask for anything more emotional or exciting as that finish at Darlington. We will talk about that a little bit later. Uh, But now this series is headed to Charlotte Motor Speedway, a 1.5-mile track, and uh, I think this is going to be pretty exciting. the way that finished out at uh, Bristol, I'm sorry, at um, uh, Darlington was with uh, Chase Briscoe, Kyle Busch, Justin Algauer, Austin Sindrick, and Noah Gregson um, in the top five there. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of the same players at Charlotte Motor Speedway. What do you think, Jay? Most certainly think so. Again, we talked about this uh, throughout our couple shows already. Uh, with no practice time, 
especially. The cream is going to rise to the top. We saw the top championship contenders from last year, as well as the ones that were running strong already this year. Uh, Ryan Sieg, another one to mention. I know he had another great run. So I think we're going to see the same thing at Charlotte. Um, these top teams are the top teams for a reason, no matter what driver they put in year to year. And some of these guys being back with teams for the second or third year just makes them that much stronger. So we're going to see the same top contenders, maybe not the same winner all the time, but I think that the top five to 10 are going to be your usual suspects, if you will. Absolutely. Now I will say that race again is taking place Monday, May the 25th. That's Memorial Day at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It will start at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 200 laps. Uh, stages are 45, 90, and 200. Uh, will be televised on FS1, and the radio coverage is PRN Sir- and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, now, uh, the entry list, again, just so everybody's aware, uh, the entry list for the Osco 300 for the Xfinity Series at Charlotte Motor Speedway is 37 teams and drivers uh, for 40 spots are listed. 37 cars are entered, uh, and they do, they're showing an entry list here. <laughs> we actually have an entry list. Okay. I'm shocked. All okay, right. so because sure I haven't seen it anywhere else. I'm on the J-Skis page. Uh, I haven't seen yep, this okay. entry list anywhere else, but it, it happens to be here. Uh, so 37 cars on this entry list. Uh, for 40 spots. So what they're going to do, okay, uh, and if Andy's listening, that's where you're going to find the entry list. Uh, The pit selection process, the order is going to be based on the finishing position from the May 19th race, which is actually the race that took place yesterday at Darlington, followed by any new entries in order of points. So the starting lineup process is going to be pretty much the same, where they divide it up and do a ran. Um, they do um, the lineup. Did they do it there as uh, points? I can't remember now. Okay, here it is. They- Field will be. Uh, that's comp- that's the pit road. Do you remember how they did it for the uh, Xfinity series? For lineup? Darlington, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I know they did the random draw. I don't remember if they had it blocked off or if that was the intent here with the Darlington race um, or not. And I know I'm looking okay. at the page you sent earlier. doesn't really specify that. It only talks about pit selection. Okay. So uh, they're going to use the same process that they used at Darlington. Uh, so it is a random draw. We're just not sure if it's broken down into segments like they did. Uh, I'm assuming that it will be uh, like it was for the it is for the truck series and for the cup series. Now the modified competition uh, process will still be the same. Uh, they have not told us yet what the competition caution uh, point will be. I know for Darlington it was after 15 laps. I assume it will probably be the same uh, for the uh, Charlotte race. So that gives them a chance, because there is no practice, it gives them a chance to take a look at what's happening with the car and make whatever adjustments they need to make uh, without the pressure of a normal pit stop. Now, also, the field is going to be frozen uh, at the time of the competition caution, and the field is going to be assembled behind that pace car. Now, the running order... uh, 
lead lap and lap down cars will be established and the free pass will be sent. Again, the wave around rule is not in effect for this race. So pit road will open to the top 20 cars. The cars must beat the pace pace car off pit road in order to maintain their frozen position. Once those cars have pitted, then the next 20 cars have a chance to come down pit road. Same rule applies. They must beat the pace car off pit road in order to retain their frozen position. Now, uh, that pit cycle will repeat, and each team team is allowed only two pit stops. So they reestablish the lineup per the freeze and restart for the restart of the race and based on how they come off of pit road. So uh, infractions can happen if they don't beat the car off pit road. Uh, it will be a, the loss of a lap, and they'll be restarting at the tail end of the field. And then also pitting more than twice or out of sequence will result in restarting at the tail end of the field. So all other pit road rules are in effect for this race. So that gives you an idea of what some of the differences are uh, for this uh, Xfinity Series group going into Charlotte and, again, their race on Monday. And I know for fans that might sound a little confusing there with that modified competition yellow, but watching it in effect, uh, again, especially with the no practice, uh, Darlington being that first race back, I think that worked really well and uh, provided for some good racing throughout the rest of the race. So I think NASCAR did a great job in setting that up with that modified competition yellow. Okay. Again, for people who are looking to make their picks uh, for this fantasy, for your fantasy picks for this race, uh, they do have the preliminary and the final entry list here at J-Skis. So I would refer everybody to the Xfinity Series page and then the race page uh, that has a a wealth of uh, resources for fans. But you can see the latest final entry list there. Uh, And I want to see if there's any differences. No, it's still 37 people on that entry list. And as I go down this list, uh, let's see who's on here. Justin Algauer is going to be racing uh, over, he's Xfinity, I'm still thinking trucks. <laughs> okay, I'm looking to see who is new on this Xfinity series list. Kyle Bush is on the list. Uh, I am not seeing any other Cup Series drivers. Are you, Jay? Uh, not, not Cup Series drivers. Um, from what I've seen, there are a couple that, maybe unexpected or I know a couple of them ran at um, Darlington as well, but you got Jeffrey Earnhardt in the JD Motorsport zero. That was a change this past week as well. And we talked about Brett Moffitt in the O2 for our motorsports. And just in this top group here, the other one I was looking at Daniel Hemrick, I believe back in the number eight for junior motorsports for the second week in a row. And that's one we talked about already last season when this deal was agreed to, uh, Daniel Hemrick getting several starts in that eight for junior motorsports had a great run at Darlington. Expect to see him do so again here at Charlotte. Okay. Other drivers uh, that don't normally race this and are not racing for points include Joe Nemechek in the number 47, 
then you've got uh, Kyle Busch, as we mentioned earlier, in the 54. Austin Hill will be in that 61 car. And I know Timmy Hill raced at Darlington. He's going to be racing again here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. He'll be in the number 66 car uh, for this event. Again, all of these drivers that we've just mentioned, including Garrett Smithley, uh, are not racing for points. I don't know if that's the case for Jeffrey Earnhardt. I think Jeffrey Earnhardt is racing for points in that series, if I remember correctly. I believe so that he is for the points and for that team. A couple others, uh, teams that do change drivers, so the drivers may not be, but the team would be as far as team owner points. We see Myatt Schneider in the number 21 for Richard Childress Racing. I know that's one that rotates drivers. Uh, Cody Vanderwall, uh, Means Motorsports, is in the number 52. We saw him at Darlington. Always cool to see him get into a cup car. And then I believe DGM Racing, the number 90, they got two teams. And this week it's going to be Dylan Bassett in the number 90 and Josh Williams in the number 92 for the second week. Okay, so... Uh, it's funny that we had not noticed this before, Jay, because we've been looking everywhere for the century list, and here it is all the time on on Jayski. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, going to be an interesting race. Nobody's going to be out of the race. Uh, everybody who's entered should be able to race on uh, on uh, Monday afternoon or evening, I should say, and. Uh, it is going to be uh, interesting to see if there are any other new drivers that show up on this list later on. And that is one thing uh, right now. I know, uh, again, it's so, such a fluid deal with this schedule and the way it is, but when there are opportunities like that, you know there is a, isn't a full field, especially at a local track. We may see some pop-up teams uh, make that trip. Yes, especially with it being so close to home. So uh, fans definitely will need to keep their eyes out for that. Okay, so um, uh, let's look at the points here. I I know we'll cover that during our review as well, but this is important as far as knowing uh, maybe for some people how they want to make their pick uh, for this race uh, with the Xfinity Series. Do you want to cover that, Jay? All right, obviously now at the top of the points with two wins on the year, Chase Briscoe coming off that Darlington win uh, took over the points lead, and it is by 19 points over Harrison Burton, who had a really strong run to start the season in his rookie year, uh, already having one one win and five bonus playoff points as well. Then third, you got Austin Sindrick. He is 26 points out. Noah Gregston and Ross Jastain round out your top five at 30 and 35 back, respectively. Uh, if you want me to hit the next group, mm-hmm. Algeyer is six. Ryan Siegman, him having a great start to the season. Justin Haley, Brandon Jones, and Michael Annette are your top ten. Michael Annette, 84 points out. Now, the Xfinity Series takes 12, so I'll hit Riley Herbst in his rookie year in the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing, and Brandon Brown are your final two at the cut line right now at 95 and 108 points out. A little bit bigger gap here when you talk about those on the outside. Alex LeBay at 116, eight points away from that 12 spot. Josh Rose, Daniel Hemrick I mentioned now, he is running part-time in that number eight junior motorsport, but is still eligible as a driver. Um, 
So he's not that far out. And then you got Ray Black, the second, Myatt Snyder. Um, so that I'd say your your top twelve is going to come from those top sixteen, maybe seventeen drivers. Yeah, these guys are still kind of sorting it out, if you will. Uh, the gaps are a little bit bigger than what we saw in the truck series, uh, but they've been racing a few more races too, and so uh, it will be interesting. Uh, the top uh, rookies here are very impressive with Harrison Burton in second and Riley Earps in that 11th place spot. Uh, I think that rookie battle is going to be uh, a fun one to watch all season long. Well, and that goes along with what I said earlier. Again, your top teams, no matter what driver they're going to be in or driver they put in the car, that team is a top-tier team. So you see that with Joe Gibbs Racing. They got two rookies in Harrison Burton and, and Riley Herbst this year, both having uh, good starts to the year. You got Jesse Little as the next one down in 22nd spot, driving for JD Motorsports in that number four. Uh, is currently 22nd in points, 156 out of the lead. And 12, about about 50 points out of the uh, championship hunt right now. Okay. Uh, and, and we mentioned the salute to the troops this weekend with it being Memorial Day. I expect that the Xfinity Series is going to be doing a lot of that. I will tell you as well that Charlotte Motor Speedway is really doing a lot uh, to keep the fans engaged in the racing that's taking place at that track. Uh, We'll take this opportunity to kind of outline some of that. Um, It's obviously virtually uh, because fans are not allowed at the track, but there's going to be a a virtual winner's circle uh, for all of the races including the June 7th race at Atlanta Motor Speedway and the May 31st race at Bristol Motor Speedway. So watch for more on this. Uh, This promotion is free uh, for fans to take part in, but it's a chance for race fans uh, to win some pretty cool prizes simply by choosing the winner of one of NASCAR's upcoming races. So, again, the Coke 600 on the 24th, uh, the ALSCO uh, Uniforms 500, Uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway on the 27th, the May 31st race uh, of the Food City 500 at Bristol Motor Speedway, and then the June 7th race, the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So fans need to follow Charlotte Motor Speedway on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or you can even download the Speedway's uh, mobile app and uh, watch for that information on how you can participate. There's also going to be a Coca-Cola 600 corn, cornhole challenge. Uh, so if you're looking to fill up some time while you're waiting for the green flag to drop, uh, all you have to do is uh, use that app in order to play that game, and uh, you actually have an opportunity to win prizes in playing that game as well. It's free to play, and you can win some prize, prizes. It doesn't get much better than that. There's also the ALSCO Best Uniform Contest. Uh, Remember Cole Trickle's Mellow Yellow Fire Suit or Ricky Bobby's Wonder Bread Uniform? Uh, Well, fans uh, will get a chance to uh, catch their votes each day in an elimination challenge to see who has the best uniform in racing. So, again, follow Charlotte Motor Speedway's uh, Instagram stories in order to cast your vote, and the winner will be announced before the ASCO 300 on May the 25th. There's also the Curator's Corner 
so again, it's a virtual visit uh, to that, uh, and you get all kinds of time-honored stories of NASCAR at the NASCAR.com uh, website, and uh, that's something new this year as well. So again, go to NASCAR.com and learn more about the Curators Corner. There's souvenir programs that are available, as well as the virtual fan zone, uh, and that can be accessed through the Speedway's website, uh, and will give fans the chance to interact with sponsors like Coca-Cola, Toyota, Alsco, Atrium Health, and the North Carolina Education Lottery, among others. So uh, really some uh, major virtual opportunities for fans at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And again, you got to commend them for what they're doing. Uh, we can't have fans at the race, but like you said, doing everything they can to still keep the fans engaged and, and what they can do via social media and other outlets um, to include doing the eye racing, you know, during the time period where they weren't racing. That eye racing, again, was to keep fans engaged. So they've done a phenomenal job with that. And I got to give a shout out. I know on Instagram and Twitter, I follow uh, Colleague Racing, and they do a lot too to interact with the fans do a lot of giveaways so that's one um, that i'd have to give a shout out for as a team that keeps uh, engaged with its fans yes yes especially in these times uh it's really it's really good that uh uh they're doing these virtual activities for everybody with the social distancing that has been taking place and although some areas are opening up not all areas are and this is a wonderful way, I think, for fans to uh, really engage in activities uh, similar to what they would do if they were at the racetrack. So, uh, again, kudos uh, to Charlotte Motor Speedway and the other tracks that are doing this. All right. Uh, again, we are just about uh, uh, at that uh, 10 after mark. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the Cup Series uh, because – uh, I've got a feeling we could run out of time there very quickly. <laughs> so uh, as I move to the uh, Cup Series race page, uh, that race is going to be taking place this Sunday. That's the most. Uh, uh, that's the next race that will be taking place this Sunday, May the 24th, at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The race should start sometime around 6 p.m. Eastern time. They'll be racing 400 laps. Stages are four stages in this particular race because it's so long. So 100, 200, 300, and 400 will be the uh, stage breakdown there. The race will be on Fox, and radio coverage is on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Again, they do have an entry list here um, uh, for fans, and that's been out, I think, for a while. Um, Let's see, 40 teams uh, uh, for 40 spots. Uh, some of the drivers entered include the number seven of J.J. Yaley, the number 27 of Greg Galding, the number 51, Joey Gase, uh, the number 53 of Garrett Smithley, the number 66 for Timmy Hill, the number 77 for Chastain, and the number 78 for B.J. McLeod. Uh, so all the drivers will make uh, the race because 40 drivers for 40 spots. So you want to cover the uh, pit selection and starting lineup process, Jay? All right, let me back up and see if I can find the uh, 
find both of those. Did you have that in the email, or are you pulling that off of JSKI as well? JSKI. I pulled it off of JSKI. Well, that was the link to JSKI that I sent. See. So I'll do the pit selection. You can go at the the starting okay. lineup when me, you get there. All right. The, the pit selection the is going to be based then. on the finishing order from the race on Wednesday night, uh, that race at Darlington, followed by any new entries in order of points. So pit stalls will be picked in advance, and the pit boxes will be the pit boxes will be in the stalls when the teams arrive at the track. So that's kind of cool because they can get that all set up and everything uh, according to that finishing order uh, from the race on Wednesday night. And as I was looking for the starting lineup, I figured out that I have it easy. All I got to say is this is the one race they are actually doing qualifying, being that it is the crown jewel event of the Coca-Cola 600. This race will have or scheduled to have qualifying I believe on Saturday, I'd have to find that back and look for the date on it, um, of which day they're doing it. Let me see if I can it. find that. You go ahead and finish but, yeah, see if I can find that. All right. They, they uh, Again, that is the one race, being that it was, again, the hometown track. Charlotte was more equipped and prepared um, for that, that they will be doing qualifying. And I think part of it, like I said, comes into play. It is the a crown jewel event um, as, as it pertains to NASCAR, one of the oldest uh, used to be the world 600 and now is the Coke 600. All right. That link brought me to the Darlington lineup. I'm not finding the date the date on it either, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, if they were doing them both on Sunday. Yeah. I'm not seeing anything about the uh, qualifying. On here, I've got the weekend on-track schedule, but it doesn't really say anything about the qualifying. So I'm not really sure when that's going to happen. Oh, qualifying impound, it says. Uh, let's see. 205 on Sunday, the NASCAR Cup Series qualifying impound, single vehicle, one lap, all positions. So uh, I guess that's taking place at 2 o'clock uh, Eastern on Sunday, and uh, so it will be the single-car qualifying process. All right. Well, there you go, and that's one of those that, especially for some of the uh, some of the teams that want to have a good starting spot, but you got to balance that out because if they're qualifying at two o'clock, racing at six o'clock, you don't want to be messing up your car during qualifying. You want to get all you can get, but not too much because again, you only got four hours uh, prior to race. So, again, that adds just another intrigue level to that um, to watch these guys as they qualify but not want to damage the car because, again, you mentioned it is an impound and you got a four-hour window. Yes, and uh, there will be a competition caution. So it's not really determined yet on here as to exactly when that competition caution takes place. But, again, that's to make up for the fact that they don't have that practice time and only the two laps that they're running for qualifying. Uh, That gives them a chance to adjust their car. Again, I I, I can't say it again. I thought that was such a creative and, and cool thing for NASCAR to do. Here I know they are getting qualifying in, so they'll at least have some laps on the track versus 
they didn't have any at Darlington, but and we saw the way that played out, especially in the first Darlington race uh, of the the battles that that provided and the action it provided mm-hmm. in that first mm-hmm. segment, as well as then the changes that were made. Again, cream rises to the top. The teams that maybe didn't get a good starting spot um, based off their draw or were just hanging and waiting to make that first adjustment uh, come ripping through the field and, and work their way up. So I, I think that is a really cool thing. And, I, you know, we talked about this in Hot Topics of some things from all this. There's some things that I think NASCAR can look at going into the future um, of different things they might be able to do to cut down on track time and expenses for these teams of being at the track for three or four days. Yes. And I think that's really fantastic because, uh, you know, I listened to Jen, Denny Hamlin's teleconference and, and he brought that up too, uh, that there are so many things that uh, could possibly happen here. We were hopefully thinking we could play some of the, uh, uh, race uh, post race audio uh, in that next half hour, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but Denny Hamlin was the race winner from Darlington, uh, and maybe we can play part of his uh, 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 post race interview there. We do have a few little it, things that we can go ahead, Jay. I was, was going to say if we're playing post race uh, post race audio. Maybe it'll be get played in hot topics. I'm sure there's a couple of audio clips out there we'd all like to hear again. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I know. We, um, I know we don't have video capability, so. I know. I know. We can't do the video. Okay, Andy just gave his pick, so I'm going to write that down real quick here. Um, and the, yeah, so that leaves just. Unfollowed two there. Okay. Oh, did not mine not go. Um, yeah, mine's Pardon there me? too. Mine is oh, there too. Your pick? Oh, okay. I I read that backwards. Okay, so you took. Okay, I thought that was Andy's pick. Okay, so I've got to make my change here on my sheet. So we've got all the picks in for the Xfinity series. You want to cover that real quick before we move on? All right, I can do that. I can do that, and again. We've talked about this on a couple of different occasions. It's always nice to have somebody checking up on you because, yeah, I had made a mistake earlier and uh, you caught it. wasn't to my benefit either way, so I'm not doing very good at cheating. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, um, let's see. where did, Who did we start with here? Okay, James went first, took Noah Gregston. Uh, that must have been on the top of a couple of people's list. I saw a couple of thumbs down on his pick there, so... Uh, he had first pick, took Noah Gregson. Second went to Sam with Austin Sindrick. Harrison Burton actually went third, which kind of surprised me. Owen picked him up. Then, in this one, again, I know some people may not have heard it. Mike got to come away with Kyle Busch there. Actually tried to take Sindrick, who was already picked. And he's like, well, I guess I'll take Kyle Busch. Because I was, I was waiting <laughs> to see how far he'd slide. We've talked about that before. Uh, how far mm-hmm. Kyle Busch slide? I'm picking last, so I didn't figure he was going to make it all the way to me. But uh, then Sharon took Darlington winner Chase Briscoe. Andy just came in with Ross Chastain, and again I can't complain. I got last pick and say I have to take from what's left, but I got Justin Algar, who actually finished second in this second or third in the race last year here at Darlington. I lost yeah, that. I had well, it up. Just... he was either second or third. 
Yeah, let's go ahead and look at that last year's race because I think that kind of helps when you think about this year. I'm talking about last year's May race. Um, I know, uh, where is that finishing order? Race results. I want to look at last year's race results. You mentioned, uh, well, I'm, you're you're talking Xfinity series. You're, I'm going I was back still to talking about Xfinity series. while I mean, we were doing series. those points. All right, right, I'll pull that right. up real quick. Going back to the Cup Series. And I can I'm do the first five. The... Okay. We've got Martin Truex was the winner last year at this race. Uh, then it was Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, uh, Chase Elliott, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, you're, are you pulling up the Xfinity list, Jay? No, I'm pulling up the uh, the Cup Series. Cup. Okay. There we go. All right. You got. Uh, I got the, the top, top five. two there. Oh, I okay. I'm sorry. I didn't five. see that. Okay. There we go. Uh, Chris Busher was six. Alex Bowman, seventh. Jimmy Johnson, eighth. William Byron, ninth. And Kevin Harvick as your top 10. Now, again, we mentioned, and I know Truex was already picked as well for our cup picks. We got all those in. We'll talk about in a little bit, but. The cream is going to rise to the top. Charlotte is one of those home tracks. Very important to these drivers. You saw the top four regular contenders, weekly race winners. Uh, Stenhouse uh, in there had a good run. Busher had a good run. And it was kind of in that stretch of uh, Alex for Alex Bowman um, where he was uh, finding his groove in the number 88 Hendrick Motorsport Chevrolet. Jimmy Johnson, he, that's one of those, no matter what kind of season he's having, he used to own that place literally with it being the Lowe's <laughs> Motor Speedway at one point. Um, so Hendrick Motorsports look good. Kevin Harvick, again, is Kevin Harvick, the closer. So uh, and kind of looking back now at our picks, see how they match up. I think out of those four, the five of those were picked. So five of the top ten from last year were picked. we got a couple other ones out there, but I think they're good picks as well. That just kind of gives you a, a, a look at last year's event anyway. Okay. Now, some of the uh, storylines going into Charlotte Motor Speedway include a lot of people wondering uh, about whether or not Chase Elliott will give, extend uh, payback to Kyle Busch after contact during the Darlington race. Uh, now, Kyle Busch says that they've talked and everything's good. He's called he said uh, Chase Elliott is a class act, but a lot of people are still watching and waiting to see what happens there. Your thoughts? I know we'll probably well, talk about we'll that in hot this. topics. Yeah, we'll get into this a little bit in in, in hot topics. Um, again, you know, Kyle Busch admitting he made the mistake, said he's sorry. That doesn't fix the car or his race results. Chase Elliott, again, had a moment there uh, following post-race, but – as Kyle said, is a class act. I'm sure in that discussion, everything was uh, amicable, but that's going to be in the back of his mind. Uh, we saw it with Denny mm-hmm. Hamlin a few years back in 2018. That's still going to be in the back of his mind. Uh, you know, whether he just races him a little harder, blocks a little bit harder, whatever, it's going to be in the back of his mind. I guarantee it. Well, I know uh, Hamlin also made the comment that. He may he may uh, even up the score with a little bit of payback, but the intention is not going to be the same because Kyle Busch said he it was not intentional. He felt horrible about it. Uh, he's got a lot of friends on that team. He would never do anything to hurt them. Um, 
So he said the intent is what's going to be the difference there uh, if if Chase Elliott uh, intentionally comes back with a retribution. Okay, another storyline here, because I want to save that for our Hot Topic conversation. Uh, A long shot at history, you were mentioning earlier, Jay, that this is Jimmy's house after a string of seven race wins in less than four years. Uh, The seven-time Cup Series champion uh, looks to join NASCAR Hall of Famer Darrell Waltrip as the only drivers to have tasted victory five times in the Coca-Cola 600. Now, Johnson previously won NASCAR's longest race. He's done it in 2003 and four and five, and then he did it again in 2014. So can he do it for a fifth time this weekend? Well, let me tell you that, again, we saw this in his first few races, and especially at Darlington uh, in the first race for sure, Jimmy Johnson's coming back to to the top level, so going to be interesting um, to see how he runs. I know he wasn't as dominant in that second Darlington race. Again, they obviously had to go to a backup car, but we saw it towards the end of last year, coming into this year. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, if not back, is on his way back, and Hendrick Motorsports with the uh, Chevrolet have been very solid this year, so it is quite possible and we've seen Jimmy Johnson break and set a lot of records, so I wouldn't bet against it. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be uh, definitely fans are going to be uh, looking to pick him for this weekend. Uh, a lot of fans were very happy when they saw him leading at Darlington Raceway, and they want to see him back up front again. Okay, here's the long shot. Uh, we talked about the long shot at history. Back from war, 20 years after racing as a rookie in his very first career win at the premier level, Matt Kenseth has come out of retirement piloting that number 42 car for Chip Ganassi Racing. Now, he's looking to rekindle some magic as well uh, from two decades past. Uh, still, he's the only w- rookie to ever win the Coca-Cola 600 in 60 years. Kenseth put others on notice that he hasn't lost his step on the competition after scoring a top 10 finish in Sunday's race at Darlington in his very first race back after retirement. So uh, he picked up, he's back up to speed very quickly. Uh, So can he win again since uh, winning as a rookie? Well, I hope so because that was my pick, so. Um, no, we saw that, and we were all super impressed. Uh, you know, again, Matt Kenseth, the champion, uh, didn't choose to retire, kind of had to – got pushed out, if you will, uh, when he left. So it was still impressive, though, to see him come back that strong. And, and he said it, you know, with the team that they that have there in that number 42, Chip Ganassi Racing, that he was the weak link, and he got a top 10 and I'd have to look back now. I know he was around the top 10 again the second race at Darlington, so uh, if that's a weak link and he's only going to get better as he gets more into the groove, especially at a track like Charlotte, look out, the competition is in trouble, and we could see that 42 pick up a win and into the playoffs. Okay, I think that would be exciting. Okay, now Rocket Man, we got to talk about him as well. Ryan Newman is back. Uh, this uh, break actually worked to his advantage, uh, minimizing the number of races that he missed. Uh, at Charlington, he has nine pole awards at that track. So 
uh, opting to set the field through qualifying before Sunday's Coca-Cola 600. Uh, Newman's machine could. Uh, he's been known to do very well in qualifying, so will he be on the pole for Sunday's race is the big question surrounding Ryan Newman. Well, as much as, again, everybody was so so happy to see Ryan Newman just back at the track and in a car, uh, healthy and, and back to where he, he was. Um, I don't think Roush Racing's quite back at that level. However, it is just the one-lap uh, shootout there, as we mentioned, for qualifying. Uh, again, it's not one I'd necessarily bet against, although I don't quite see him back up to that level of him setting the pole. But I think a top 10 starting spot, top 10 to top 15, we've seen him run uh, that in the two races he's been back. So uh, finish-wise, I think he can finish up there, but I'm not sure I see him qualifying on the front. Okay. Now there's a few drivers, uh, veteran drivers, that have not yet won at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Can they do it this weekend? Uh, Some of those drivers include Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, uh, so uh, I know some of those drivers were picked uh, in our fantasy game for uh, that race. So which one of them might get their very first win at Charlotte this weekend? Wow, any one of those three. Uh, we've seen Joey Logano already has two wins this year, as well as now Denny Hamlin. And I know I joked about it in the Messenger. He won the Daytona 500, and I said he was going for the Winston Million, picking up the win at Darlington. However, it was not the Southern 500, which was the qualifier for that. But still, a win at Darlington is historic. So uh, right now, I'd actually have to say maybe Denny Hamlin is the one that, that really has the chance. That would be uh, – w- I've actually thought about changing my pick to him, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh-oh, you lose, you're losing faith in uh, – oh, you don't have Harvick this week. You haven't – yeah, you took no. Harvick again this week. No, I'm sorry, Truex. No, I've Truex. got MTJ. I'm awful. And I haven't lost yep, faith in him. He just has, <laughs> hasn't been as strong was, as we've well, normally seen him. <laughs> I was going to say, we just went over last year's results where he had the win, and he's had some dominating wins there at Charlotte. So yes. I wouldn't think yes. real hard about changing drivers. <laughs> I know. I've been toying back and forth. Okay, let's talk about the rookies. We talked a few minutes ago about Matt Kenseth being the only driver uh, to win as a rookie in the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, We have an impressive group of rookies that are racing this year uh, with Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, uh, not to mention John Hunter Minimachek. Uh, What is the possibility that we might see one of them in victory lane this week? Again, victory lane might be a stretch, but we have seen it here in this Coca-Cola 600, which is absolutely amazing considering it is the longest race that NASCAR does. Um, Of the ones you mentioned so far again this year, I'd have to, of those three anyway, the big three, uh, I'd have to go with Tyler Reddick. Uh, That's one of those. My only concern there is he is one that we all know uh, does have a tendency to push the car extremely hard. So for 600 miles, you got to be a little careful with that. But uh, we've seen Cole Custer, and we're just waiting for Christopher Bell to pop off and, and get his season right. Uh, we've seen yep. some uh, good runs from him, but he is having a bit of a rough start when it comes to finishes and his points. But we know it's going to happen at some point, so it could start right here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Okay, very quickly, I just want to correct uh, and clarify uh, I said Matt Kenseth was the only rookie to have won 
his first race at the, the Coca-Cola 600. He's the first one who de- who's done it in the last 20 or so years. So other drivers who have done it, uh, actually he's not the only rookie in the last 20 years, but anyway, other drivers who have done it are David Pearson, Jeff Gordon, Bobby Labonte, uh, Matt Kenseth we mentioned, David Rudiman, wow, there's a name I haven't heard in a while, Casey Mears and Austin Dillon are all first-time winners at uh, in that Coca-Cola 600. So it's not unrealistic to think that one of those drivers might do it. And I would say Tyler Ruddick uh, definitely has the edge there, uh, and possibly even John Hunter Nemechek. Okay, now then, let's uh, move on to our race review of uh, the Xfinity Series race at uh, Darlington. Man, was that an exciting race. Uh, The Xfinity Series is becoming uh, even more exciting to me. Well, I love the truck race. Don't get me wrong. I love the truck race. I used to think the Xfinity race wasn't quite up to par with everybody else, but uh, they proved me wrong with this newer package. Uh, They have some, with the new package, I think they put on some fantastic racing, and we saw a barn burner uh, on uh, yesterday afternoon. Yeah, I don't know what all the circumstances that that have brought this together the way it happened, but you're right. I mean, you know, rain delayed from it was supposed to be Tuesday night into Thursday afternoon, or actually it was again supposed to be morning, got pushed towards the afternoon. But whatever it was that brought it together, it brought together one of the most fantastic races, like you said, that we have seen. We almost had that Kurt Busch, Ricky Craven moment there at Darlington between Chase Briscoe and Kyle Busch. And, you know, it's unfortunate uh, for fans that don't know that what Chase Briscoe was going through, um, he and his wife had just lost a baby due to miscarriage earlier in the week. Um, for him to come out and get that win, especially in that fashion, door-to-door, wheel-to-wheel, bumper-to-bumper with Kyle Bush and come out on top, you can't possibly write a better finish for that race. No, the emotion level was definitely high. I know Andy and I were talking in the chat room, and and he and I were both crying <laughs> as we're we're expressing our happiness that Chase Briscoe won. Uh, we were feeling the full range of emotions. Happy for Chase Briscoe to get that win, uh, his second win, by the way, of the season, and uh, still um, uh, so feeling the emotions that he was feeling from the highest of highs and the lowest of lows all happening in this week. So um, uh, very, very uh, exciting to see him beat uh, one of the best drivers in the sport, Kyle Busch, and that was a back and forth. He had to work hard uh, and keep focus in order to beat Kyle Busch in those classing laps because they were – side-by-side, door-to-door, back-and-forth, and it was an exciting finish. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, one for the ages. We, it will not be one we forget very soon. Uh, Kyle Busch obviously came in second in that race, Justin Algauer in third, Austin Sindrick fourth, with Noah Gregson rounding out the top five, followed by Daniel Hemrick in sixth place, Ryan Segan seventh, Ross Chastain finished eighth, Harrison Burton, the highest finishing rookie in ninth, and Justin Haley rounding out the top ten for the Toyota 200 at Darlington Raceway on Thursday. 
One, one more thing I wanted to touch on with uh, Chase Briscoe, the winner, and then I'll address some of the other uh, top tens. Um, he had made the statement already after his first win early in the year, being that he wasn't one of the big three from last year. He said he felt like he had to get eight wins this year in order to prove his worth. Um, I disagreed with that already then. You know, obviously he should be winning multiple races, which he now has. But I think this one race alone, you go door to door with Kyle Busch, that one <laughs> race alone, I think, validates him, you know, to he's his status and where, where he's at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, hopefully he does uh, come to that realization that that one carries a lot of weight. But looking through yeah, the rest we, of the top ten mentioned. Oh, go ahead. I was just real quick. I was going to say we've been big Chase Briscoe fans uh, for a long time here at Band for Racing because we followed him when he won the uh, championship, uh, his first full-time season in the Arkham Menard Series, and uh, we knew then that he was going to be something special, uh, getting up here to where he is now, and uh, he's certainly proven that out. So big kudos for Chase Briscoe. Again, I know that it's still a little speculative, but we will see him in cup sooner than later. I know he says he's still mm-hmm. concerned about having to earn his ride, which all drivers do to an extent. Uh, you know, he's in a little bit different boat, but he's going to get himself a cup ride sooner rather than later. Um, through a couple others from the top 10 there, we mentioned Justin Algar having a strong year. Again, annual contender, hopefully a winner here at Charlotte as I picked him. Uh, Austin Sindrick got picked again. Noah Gregson. Gregson picking up his first win there at Daytona, uh, coming out the gate strong. Sixth place, there's Daniel Hemrick in that number eight junior motorsports. Ryan Sieg, and I know you had toyed with possibly taking him, had another great mm-hmm. showing, um, just having a phenomenal year. And then we mentioned Ross Chastain, again, having a solid year, running full-time here to finish out this year in the Xfinity with uh, Colleague Racing. And rookie Harrison Burton, again, top finishing rookie, a top 10 finish. And uh, Justin Haley. Haley's one of those, again, partnered with uh, Ross Chastain at Colleg Racing. That team is on the rise. So uh, expect to see better things at the end of the season from that Colleg Racing group in the 10 and the 11. Uh, yes, indeed. I really think that these guys uh, um, are, are going to put on a very, very good show again. At Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, I look for that Memorial Day race to be as exciting as it gets. Um, and uh, I know you already gave our picks there. Uh, just to, I want to go to the Xfinity Series page here, uh, just to kind of give some highlights uh, from that series. Um, uh, Goodyear facts at Charlotte um, for this, let's see. I want to look back at the last race. Um, oh, that's the other thing about Charlotte Motor Speedway is all the different paint schemes that fans can look for uh, this weekend. De- definitely check out Jay Skis for that. Uh, so uh, Chase Briscoe did give an amazing victory lane interview. He kind of fell to his knees when he got out of the car. Um He was in tears as he gave his interview immediately after uh, getting out of his car and kind of regrouping himself. Uh, But then in the media center, uh, he also uh, was able to uh, say a few words. Now, the entire interview is 19 minutes long. We won't be able to listen to all of it. But I do want to listen to a couple minutes of what Chase Briscoe had to say after winning that race 
at Talladega, at uh, Darlington Raceway for the Toyota 200. Our winner, we will go ahead and bring you in. Congratulations on winning at the track too tough to tame. Uh, we'll go ahead and open up the floor for questions. We have several here. We'll start with Pete Iacobelli from the Associated Press. Go ahead, Pete. Um, hi, Chase. Congratulations on today, and I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Was there any part of you that uh, did not want to come back here and race Thursday because of what you and your wife went through? The, uh, I knew that in the car would probably be the, the best therapy, I guess you could say, but I didn't know really how my reaction was going to be. Um, and truthfully, even the whole race, I was kind of out of it. Um, for sure the last, you know, 50 laps, um, just emotionally. I was kind of all over the place. Um, but it was still good. I mean, obviously now it's, uh, you know, I'm super glad I came back and raced. But I don't think there was ever a thought of, you know, not going racing just because you know, that's what we do and that's, you know, the best therapy, at least for me and my, and my family. Um, so I, there wasn't ever a thought about sitting out, um, but it certainly was tough. You know, it's probably better that, truthfully, that the race did get postponed to Thursday because we found out Tuesday afternoon. Um, so it honestly was a blessing in disguise that it rained Tuesday um, and was able to, you know, get a couple days at home and uh, then come down here. Our next question will go to Jim Utter. Go ahead with your question, Jim. Um I'm just wondering, did it, uh, getting back to racing in general, combined with everything that took place this week, was it uh, better to be around uh, some of your fellow competitors and crew members in such that in coming up at this point has been a lot of isolation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, even when we announced it, just, uh, you know, you always hear that racing is family and you know, I've always seen that from other people um, whenever they suffer a loss or anything, how the whole community just, you know, really wraps their arms around them. And, you know, I was literally, my, me and my wife were so humbled by the amount of people that reached out, um, you know, fellow competitors, crew chiefs, you know, engineers, people in the sport, officials. So many people somehow got my number and uh, told me what they had went through. So, you know, it was just unbelievable to, to you know, feel that finally. I, obviously, I don't wish that upon anybody to have to feel that, but, you know, it just shows, you know, how good the racing community is. And to, to come back here today, you know, before the race, you know, everybody coming up to me and, you know, obviously we can't hug, but tell me, you know, they're there for me if I need anything. So definitely uh, it was good to get back to the track and, and see, you know, the people that uh, really care about me. Okay. Uh, I do know, too, that Samantha Bush had reached out to see if she could get a number to call Marissa, uh, that is uh, Chase's wife, and she was able to reach out and have a conversation with her as well. And, uh, again, I know Kyle Busch uh, gets a lot of grief sometimes, uh, but there are so many good things that happen there, too. As you know, that theirs is a little bit different. They lost a baby to a miscarriage as well uh, with uh, the infertility problems that they are challenged with. Um, uh, there was a... I, I give her a lot of credit for reaching out and, and comforting uh, Marissa in this time as well uh, with her understanding of the situation and what she might be going through. And I can only imagine the amount of, uh, like he said, Chase said, uh, texts and stuff he got. Uh, I watched Twitter following that race uh, and the, the implosion there. 
um, so many people reaching out to him. And, you know, I know Marissa had come on and thanked him several times, um, several different ones in groups and individually. But like I said, you could, you couldn't ask for a better, better final story to the end of that race. And it impressed me, you know, Chase Briscoe in the immediately getting out of the car said that he actually had tears welling up already with 50 laps to go. Just the fact that he was where he was at and battling with Kyle Busch and battling for that, that win. Um, and to come out on top, you know, you said, as it, as you said, he, he had to gather himself up. I don't know if I'd have been able to gather myself up and I don't know yeah, if I'd know. have been able to get in the car and run. I know that's what drivers say they got to do, whether it be uh, a tragedy, uh, a death or anything like this, that, you know, that's what they do. And that's kind of uh, their zone to go into to relieve that. But um, it's got to be tough. And these guys are true professional athletes. Uh, That's one of those arguments that gets made time and time again. And I think this shows it. I mean, that's just the the dedication and unbelievable. All right. That's all I can say. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, uh, again, not only an exciting finish, but uh, very emotional as well, as we have been uh, commenting on here. Uh, That uh, Xfinity Series uh, race is, uh, again, if you have not seen it yet, uh, you definitely want to get there and see that race. Uh, It was so postponed uh, so many times, it seems like. Um, four and a half hours on Thursday before it finally ran after being postponed from uh, Tuesday. So uh, uh, he's right. It was a blessing that he had some time to kind of be with her and, um, uh, you know, get back to the track and still be able to race that race. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the uh, Cup Series race. Uh, that race uh, took place on Wednesday. I wasn't sure, hoping and praying that that race was going to get in on Wednesday night um, because uh, there was rain, and it was rain delayed for a while as well. And uh, Denny Hamlin came out on top of race number six, the Toyota 500, on Wednesday night. I did not get to watch that race live. I had to uh, watch it later that night. But uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Uh, Denny Hamlin uh, uh, brought the number 11 home. Kyle Busch, again, was second. He's got to be not feeling good about being second in two races there. Uh, Kevin Harvick finished third. Brad Keselowski in fourth. And Eric Jones rounds out the top five there. Any comments in that group, uh, Jay? A lot of comments there. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we could have we could have possibly seen a four wide four wide Craven Bush battle that would have been Denny Hamlin, Kyle Bush, Kevin Harvick, and Chase Elliott um, there in those closing laps before the rain came. All four of those cars uh, had been up front, running good. Uh, I think would have been a really interesting shootout there, but unfortunately, the uh, the rain came and put a halt to it. Uh, you got to give kudos yeah. again to NASCAR. Uh, the, the effort they put in getting, trying to get that race in and not go extremely late uh, with, uh, with it. Uh, again, not necessarily for the fans in this case, but again, the teams and just, you know, people have been with the TV coverage all, uh, all afternoon. So they did the best they can. You can't fight mother nature, but uh, they gave it their best shot. That's for sure. And got majority of the race in. I hate to see any race, run, any race end under rain, um, like that, especially again with the way that finish could have played out. But the usual suspects. You mentioned Kyle. Uh, truthfully, and yeah. I'm sure he wasn't 
extremely happy with all of it there, the way things went down. But um, following his first Darlington race, uh, second actually was pretty good. I know he, he had come up through the field on the first one, then had some other problems. But I think he had a much better car that second night. Kevin Harvick, winner of the first Darlington race, comes back to finish third. Eric Jones, we've seen a previous winner there, uh, and again, was my pick, so I was happy to see that. Again, the Toyotas have been a little bit little bit behind, if you will, especially by their own standard from last year. So we see three of the Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas in the top five there. And then I actually skipped Brad Keselowski, which, again, I think was a good rebound race. He had a good car both races. Didn't have the finish from the first one to back it up. So good run for Brad Keselowski in fourth. Yeah, and this is the race, I believe. Isn't this the race where he and, uh, yeah, him and uh, Chase Elliott have the contact uh, for which Kyle Busch has already apologized for? They've already talked about. They seem to be all good. Uh, but it was very controversial uh, when it happened uh, with uh, Chase Elliott expressing his dissatisfaction uh, with what happened. Uh, immediately after getting out of his car. So NASCAR has already said no penalties for Chase Elliott. Uh, He was behind the yellow line and uh, had not broken any of their policies with regard to that at that point. So um, let's go ahead to the next grouping of drivers uh, from sixth place, Joey Logano, uh, Eric Amarola in seventh, Jimmy Johnson eighth, Matt DiBenedetto in ninth place, and Martin Truex Jr. rounding out the top ten. I will say Christian, Christian Christopher Bell was the highest finishing rookie of this race in eleventh place. William Byron in twelfth, and Tyler Reddick, another rookie, rounding out the top thirteen there. So interesting stuff there. What are your thoughts? Well, there again, he wasn't quite back up to the front, but we see Jimmy Johnson, Joey Logano, again, every week, going to be that contender. Uh, Eric Elmerola, again, we've seen Stuart Haas as a group, kind of hit or miss. Clint Boyer had winning stages one and two, um, showing they have the capability. It's a matter of putting together the finishes, so good to see Eric Elmerola get that. Matt DiBenedetto, this is one to start the season, a lot of talk about in that number 21 Wood Brothers, uh, another good run. I think as we get back into the flow, you're going to see that continue to build as he gets settled into that team and can show what he can do in a top team. Uh, Martin Truex, again, had some great cars through the weekend. Not the result I would have expected from him. Um, and I don't know if that had to do with just a little bit of a off sequence there in the, in the final pits, uh, pit stops. And then Christopher Bell, um, and I didn't realize he had done that good. I knew he had a good run. That's the best we've seen him uh, finish so far this year, I believe. So uh, good to see that. And that rookie battle, man, let me tell you, we're going to see that come back and forth. And while we're, while we're on rookies, I know from the first race we talked about that. We had a couple of the other rookies have good runs, Tyler Reddick and John Hunter Nemechek. And just when you think you got Darlington figured out, Darlington lets you know why she's the lady too tough to tame. Yes. Uh, Nemechek, the first one out. A um, couple of rough days on some of the other rookies, but it was good to see the others up there then, again, like Christopher Bell. Yes, indeed. Uh, now I'm going to go down the points report here as well. Um, I don't think we've done that yet. Kevin Harvick is leading the points by 34 points over Joey Logano. Uh, Alex Bowman in third. 
Uh, he is 39 points back. Denny Hamlin in fourth place, 57 points back. Chase Elliott rounds out the top five there. He's 66 points back. Just one point behind Chase is uh, Brad Keselowski, followed by Eric Almarola, Martin Truex Jr., Matt DiBenedetto, and Clint Boyer rounding out the top ten. Now, Matt and Clint are actually tied at 88 points back. Um, I'm going to go down to position 16. You've got Ryan Blaney in 11th, Jimmy Johnson in 12th, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, 12 and 13, followed by Eric Jones and William Byron in that 15th and 16th spot. Uh, Tyler Reddick, the highest finishing rookie, he's 17th. So he's on that bubble uh, for the playoff group of uh, 16 drivers, uh, and he's just four points back from William Byron. Bubba Wallace is, has that 18th spot, uh, one point behind Tyler Reddick. So uh, some interesting stats there. Uh, multiple winners include uh, Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin. They are the only drivers with two wins this season. Uh, the other two drivers with wins are Kevin Harvick with one and Alex Bowman with one. So who will be the next race winner or will it be another multiple winner? Well, as we, we talked about our picks and, and not having practice, uh, cream rising to the top. You look at those drivers you mentioned, the ones that have wins, whether it be multiple or not. Right behind that, you got Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, uh, Martin Truex climbing up. He's up to eighth. Eric Almirola in there again. Like I said, Stuart Haas racing, kind of a hit or miss uh, week to week. Matt DiBenedetto, Clint Boyer. And then you got Ryan Blaney, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, we've seen flashes from both of them already this year. Blaney almost uh, er, come involved in that uh, Daytona race, um, and we know there's some good tracks coming up for him. I don't want to mention that because I give away secrets to our fantasy picks for the rest of the week. But um, And then you got the Bush brothers. I, that's as good as I think I've seen Kurt run this year is in these two races at Darlington. Um, then when you get to that bubble – uh, that's where I think things, again, always always are interested. But uh, Eric Jones, we know, is a proven winner. We're waiting on William Byron to get his first win. Tyler Reddick, uh, you mentioned, as a rookie, uh, putting up some impressive runs. Chris Busher this year in the number 17 for Roush Fenway. We know that they're on the upswing as far as building. Reddick's teammate, Austin Dillon, in 21st. And then a little bit lower, you got Ricky Stenhouse. And I, I know he's not the most popular driver in NASCAR, but he is a previous race winner um, sitting in 23rd. And then I want to go down a little bit further. You look at 28th, Ryan Newman only has three starts compared to everybody else's six. He is within the top 30, um, so eligible for the playoffs should he get the win or move into the top 16. And then just outside that in 33rd now after just two races, 36 points, and looks like he's 20, 18 points behind the top 30, is Matt Kenseth, and that's with only two races. So those are two that I think could really come into play um, in shuffling up that top 16 in the event that they get a win. Okay, some really good points there. Um, and, uh, again, we give you all this information uh, for your fantasy picks as well as uh, to just give you some history, the most recent history of what's going on within the series. Now, I do have some post-race audio here from Denny Hamlin, the race winner. I will tell you he takes the first part. The first question is all about 
his paint scheme for the Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is uh, he's him him and FedEx. FedEx has put together a program uh, to support small businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic, and he's going to run that special paint scheme at Charlotte Motor Speedway. What I'm, I've got an article about it at Fan for Racing if you want to know more about it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to fast forward a little bit, get a little bit deeper into Denny Hamlin's uh, uh, conversation here, so you might hear a little garbled uh, for a couple seconds while I do that. And I might not hit it right on the mark. It might be just a little too uh, far or a little too soon. So bear with us on that. Uh, But here's what Denny Hamlin had to say after winning in his Joe Gibbs number 11 Toyota at Darlington Raceway on Wednesday night. The race to get up towards the front. Um, so we had to work through traffic, things like that. We didn't just fall out front. So it's, it's a very good balance right now of what they got going on. And, uh, I certainly think that, you know, having, you know, until fans are able to come back, I think that's when you start to get into, okay, we've got to visit some of these markets and making sure these, these tracks have uh, a date. Thank you. Our next question will come from Lane Casadante. Go ahead, Lane. Hey, Denny, that's uh, Lane at WTBR in Richmond. Uh, following up on that, how much work did your uh, crew have to do on your car from Sunday to Wednesday, given how good you were on Sunday and given the fact that it was a night race? And how, how quickly were they able to do all that? We wholesaled our car. And, you know, I won't give away any speed secrets, but uh, he, you know, our, my conversation with my crew chief on Monday was, okay, we got a third-place car. We can we – can, Try to tweak on it. Maybe things fall our way. We can win the race on Wednesday. Or the Southern 500 will be back here uh, later in the year. Do we want to come up with a completely different setup, new ideas, and and see if it's better? And it was better. I'm glad we took the chance. We had to listen. He said, I was very nervous. Not me, but the crew chief. He says, I was nervous two nights ago, wondering, man, we, we could run really bad with this. <laughs> you know, it, it's out of the box for us. But it was certainly better, and uh, and I'm sure when we go back to the Southern 500 in a few months, um, that's that's more the direction we'll be heading towards. And how easy was the sell for you to put small businesses on the hood of your car when you grew up? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and skip that question. Um, not because I don't believe in it. I think it's a wonderful thing that uh, Denny Hamlin and FedEx are doing to support small businesses. I know some of the other drivers are doing that as well. Um, but uh, I want to really talk about the racing. So what are your thoughts about uh, his comments? I think the first question he was answering when we went to the audio was uh, how he felt about not having the practice uh, and and uh, getting straight into the car and racing. And I think his comments were pretty positive overall, but he recognizes that at some point when we go back uh, to closer to what we know in the past, uh, that, that there might be some modifications to what we've known in the past based off of what's happening right now. He thought the racing was good without the practice, without the qualifying and, and all of that activity. So what are your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I drivers have all been involved in that, in the discussions when it, when it comes to uh, possible changes in the future that NASCAR or, uh, drivers are having their input with NASCAR, and NASCAR has taken a look at that. 
and I think Denny Hamlin is certainly one to uh, always be involved in that and looking at the future. So it's great to see him involved. And, and I do kind of, kind of agree with him as far as that of, yeah, there are still some concerns. And I know NASCAR addressed that in these cases with this modified competition yellow, um, especially it might come to maybe rookies need a little extra track time, but not, uh, you know, if you've been in for so many so many years that you don't get any time, it's uh, rookies or less there less than three years or five years, something to that effect. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they move forward from this. You know, he kind of had the same point of the the things that are happening now may very well dictate long term future for NASCAR. So, be a uh, something to watch throughout the rest of this year. And then just with the with the decision of how to race that second Darlington race, being that they uh they had run so well going to bring the the car back whether or not to change anything to test themselves for the Darlington race the Southern 500 which will be in the playoffs i heard them talk about that so uh a lot of things and and each team you know how they handle it and what makes them a championship team uh, truthfully mhm absolutely absolutely very quickly we're at the top of the hour almost ready for hot topic uh, sound off uh, tell us about the picks here for the Cup Series this weekend. All right, swapping over to the Cup Series. I know we mentioned a couple of them so far already. Uh, James kicked us off uh, again, taking the strong one. Uh, Kyle Busch going to run all the races. So uh, Kyle Busch, Mike went with his uh, his favorite there of Chase Elliott. Thought it was kind of ironic the first two picks were the two involved in said controversy that uh, <laughs> we'll have to see. Hopefully there isn't a whole lot of contact or payback or anything there because it'd take out the top two picks. But uh, Sam went with Joey Logano. Then it was me with Kevin Harvick. And let's see, was they missed there? Oh no, there we go. Owen uh, took Brad Keselowski. I'm sorry, Andy took Kevin Harvick. Owen took Brad Keselowski. I went with Matt Kenseth, just with what I've seen from right. him in the first two races. And, again, I know we talk about we got seven people picking now, and, the, you know, whoever has to go last, it gets what's left. But, Sharon, you got Martin Truex, and that's last year's winner. So if you get to pick last year's winner uh, with last pick, you're doing okay. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um yeah, it's really deep. I mean, I remember thinking when we were picking the first race, all my picks were already taken for the Xfinity, and yet I was still able to come up with a good pick uh, when all was said and done in the Xfinity series as well. Okay, we are at the top of the hour, and actually we're one minute past that time. Uh, I know uh, Andy will be joining us momentarily, but it is now time for us to move on to NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, I'm going to kind of set up the first hot topic. We've been kind of skirting around it here uh, during the first 90 minutes, and that is the incident between Chase Elliott and uh, and uh, Kyle Busch. We've heard what Kyle has had to say. I just received the transcript uh, on what uh, what's uh, Chase Elliott is thinking and there's a couple of questions here I can't really play the audio of it at this point but I do want to just kind of give you his uh, feedback uh, they brought up the fact that they that Kyle and him had talked and they wanted to know what happened between them 
And uh, uh, Chase Elliott said, yeah, we talked about it like I told him. I don't think he wrecked me on purpose. I think that he was trying to make a spot that just wasn't there. And much like I told him, I get the mistakes happen. That's part of life, and I get it. He's just not a guy that makes many mistakes. So for me, to be on the poor end of a rare mistake on his end is, at the end of the day, unfortunate for me and my team. Now, somebody later asked him, is it over now, or is it something that's going to stick around with you, and do you have to retaliate? Uh, Chase Elliott's response, for me, I just want to go win. I thought we had a really nice opportunity to try and grab a win there on Wednesday, so that's my goal. I want nothing more than to just go out, run well, and try to put ourselves in position to win a lot of races. And we've been lucky to have been in a few positions already this year. We're fast enough to win. Uh, It just hasn't worked out. I'm hopeful that our day will come. So those are the comments from Chase Elliott with regard to the incident between him and uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, and uh, I'm going to, first of all, bring Andy into the queue here. Welcome to the show, Andy. Uh, I'm not sure if you got to hear the comments from um, Chase Elliott or not, but let's go ahead and start with you on your thoughts about that Chase Elliott-Kyle uh, Busch incident at Darlington Raceway. Well, good afternoon uh, to the both of you. Um, obviously, uh, good to be on here on a Friday afternoon. Um, <laughs> I think with regards to uh, the Elliott and uh, Bush incident, um, I think I think it's behind him. Uh, Chase Elliott isn't the type of guy that's going to turn this into something uh, such as a feud or something big. Um, I I definitely agree with his comments that he's going to go focus on he and his team and try to go win races, which they will. Um, so I don't think this is going to turn into something big. Totally get the frustration on his part, obviously, when you're on the receiving end of someone else's mistake and you tear up a really fast race car. is really frustrating. So I think a lot of us understood his frustration the other night. Um, but I don't think this goes further. I think that um, I, I don't, I'm not even sure that they race each other any differently. I think that they are both top-tier drivers that will uh, battle it out for wins here in the near future. But you totally can understand that frustration, though. But um, I don't think it turns into some kind of feud or any kind of long-lasting effects. Um, Chase Elliott is the type of driver that, as we've seen in the past, sticks up for himself. Obviously, we remember what happened uh, at Martinsville um, with Hamlin a few years ago, but he's also not the type of driver that's going to go out there and wreck you on purpose either. So um, I don't expect retaliation. I think exactly as he said, they'll, they'll go out there and they'll do their best to try to win um, the 600 on Sunday and, and races thereafter. Okay, Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'd have to repeat what Kyle Bush said, a class act, you know, I mean, and, and he mm-hmm. said it himself there, um, you know, Kyle Bush is one that rarely makes mistakes. He, he really did feel it was not intentional and it was a rare mistake. So he doesn't expect that it had even happen again or, you know, very often, like he said, unfortunate, the few that he does that he was on the tail end of it, but um, better, better than me. Cause I, I'd have had the smart, a smart comeback of, no, we didn't go have ice cream. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, maybe, no, uh, I don't, maybe I don't, they will this weekend. <laughs> maybe they'll well, yeah, no, this I, weekend. Well, I, I really expected that to be tied back in one way or another. 
but I'm I'm with uh, Andy, I'm with Andy. I don't I don't see it going in any further again. Um, especially the, you know Kyle and it, no sure and you don't like the words, but haters are gonna hate. Kyle owned the mistake. Mm-hmm. He can't fix the car. He can't give the position back. He said it was his mistake. He owned it. You know, apologized for it. And I think, you know, Clint Boyer said it on the Xfinity broadcast. You know, you can't ask for anything more. You know, it happened. You can't change it. He owned it. He apologized for it. And you don't see it a whole lot out of him. So um, I don't like the fact that everybody likes to, again, there's certain drivers people just want to bag on for no matter what they do. And I, yeah. I think Kyle falls under that. And I'm not saying in the past he hasn't brought it on himself, but they don't give him no credit when he does do the right thing either. Jay, are you saying yeah. that there's people that don't like Kyle Busch? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, I, I did an unofficial survey, and, yeah, there there might be a couple out there that don't particularly like Kyle Busch. Yeah, uh, and my brother is one of them, and uh, he and I had this conversation earlier, not today, but right after it happened, and he was very, very upset with Kyle Busch, and nobody was going to turn him as far as uh, his thoughts about Kyle Busch. And and you're right, he's got a reputation that precedes him, and there are fans that no matter what Kyle Busch does, they're not going to hear it. And uh, um, and I did defend Kyle Busch, saying he's admitted the mistake, he's apologized for it, he feels horrible, he's got friends on that team, he would never do anything to hurt uh, that team intentionally. Um, but intentional or not, it, it still hurt him. And uh, Chase Elliott's upset and justifiably upset, and, and I get all of that. And I think Chase Elliott gets it. Um, uh, and I think Kyle Busch gets it from that regard as well. He's been there. He's done that. But I agree with everybody else. I, I think uh, Chase, he did the right thing here. Uh, he should get acknowledgement of that, that he did the right thing. And um, uh, it doesn't change anything. Everybody knows that. But uh, Kyle Busch stepped up to the plate here and uh, took ownership of it. And I bet you <laughs> in any tight situations like that in the future, he's going uh, he's not going to try to make that mistake again. He's not going to make that mistake again, uh, hopefully. And uh, this is going to be a done deal. I don't see that retaliation is going to happen. I think both drivers are going to put their focus and their energy where it should be, and that is toward taking their car to victory lane, so and 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 winning the race. So I think it's I think uh, they handled it as well as you can expect something like that to be handled. I think they uh, were pretty much role models for how to handle that situation. Uh, maybe not at every moment, but. But um, they they did a good job, I think, of handling the situation and and uh, keeping their emotions uh, relatively in check. So, any follow up on that, Andy? No, I don't think so. Uh, just surely made for some great entertainment this week, though. Um, you know, and that always keeps us engaged and entertained. So, uh, but no, I think it's over and done with. I'm sure that it'll be dramatized to a degree this weekend. Uh, on TV, but uh, no, it's over and done with, and I think they're both going to be focused on just winning on Sunday. Okay, Jay, any follow-up? Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, um, If something else were to happen between them later on in the year, we'll see how it plays out, but again, they're both top uh, drivers. 
contending for a championship. That's what their goal is, and they know that they can't uh, get involved in something like that of a payback, this or this for that. So I, I think it is, you know, behind them. Okay. Um, now then, let's uh, let's go to the next topic. And Andy, I'm going to go to you for the, what our next topic might be. Yeah, I just want to talk about um, the the races this past week. And we saw some really great racing, um, you know, obviously at Darlington throughout the week and, and just wondered what, what everyone's thoughts were on that. I thought NASCAR hit a home run in their return after having that hiatus for two months. Okay, Jay, we'll start with you. Well, we kind of talked about this other, uh, earlier, several factors, uh, I think, uh as fans, especially here at the Fan for Racing uh, blog and radio group, um, we all kind of agree the no practice thing leads leads into part of that. Uh, I know it's probably tougher on some of the younger or rookie drivers um, that are at the cop, a cup level, but the rest of them they're at the cup level. They're at, all of them are at the cup level for a reason. They're the top of the the field, so uh, I think that provides for some some great racing. You know, the, some of the things NASCAR did to uh, massage that again with the lack of practice time, the competition, uh, modified competition, yellow comes into play. But coming down to it, I just think that they're they're at the cup level for a reason. These are the best of the best, and and they showed it uh, and put on some some great racing. Like I said, there are so many things that could have come into play, whether it be the rain, the lack of practice, the new package. Um, I, I don't know, but Andy's right. That, I mean, that was some of the best racing we have seen. I say all year because we haven't had a whole lot this year, but uh, truthfully, in a while, especially at a track like Darlington, you know, which can tend to lead itself to one or two drivers hitting the setup and running away. Yeah, I think Andy hit the nail on the on the head when he said NASCAR hit a home run, uh, and not only were NASCAR fans elated about uh, racing getting back in action, but uh, they were in the spotlight from uh, the world of sports. And uh, a lot of people were keeping an eye on what happened with NASCAR to make decisions about what to do with their sports. So I thought NASCAR uh, did an outstanding job. They deserve a huge, huge pat on the back uh, and and kudos for everything that they did. Uh, It was well executed. Uh, All of the drivers felt it was well executed. I wasn't there. I have no... Uh, first-hand knowledge uh, at the track, but from my perspective from home and watching everything unfold, uh, I thought it was well executed as well as the comments from the drivers. Um, I do think that as a result of what we saw happening, we will see changes uh, forthcoming, uh, and there's a lot to be learned from the process that uh, everybody was kind of forced into. Uh, because not only did they, and you kind of alluded to this, Jay, not only did they have to go through a process that hasn't been established yet, they had to create that process, and they had to do it under difficult circumstances with the rain situations. Um, these races are already so tight, and already, uh, you know, we were talking about how we don't have some of the reports and things. I can't blame NASCAR for that because. They are under such uh, an enormous uh, change process that they are managing right now uh, with these races being as close as they are. So my thing with the 
some fans uh, that are not seeing uh, perfection here, and, I'm, and I don't think anybody's claiming perfection. I think it's worthy to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt here because they are working under some extraordinary circumstances, and uh, I think they've done a remarkable job uh, under those conditions uh, to echo what uh, both Andy and Jay have already said. So let's do the follow-up there, uh, Andy, or yeah, your just, comment. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was an, an excellent return this week, um, and to do so at a at a historical, worn-out track like Darlington, you know, I think lends itself to really good racing share, and I know you and I talked a little yesterday <laughs> about how the, the old worn out racetracks like Garlington, Chicago, Atlanta, Homestead, and um, probably leaving one out there, but, um, you know, Chicago, uh, Darlington, yeah. you know, um, there's a, there's about a handful of tracks with the old worn out surfaces that tend to lend themselves to, to better racing because you have to manage tire wear and tires matter, pit strategy matters, maybe more so than other places. And I think that, that can lend itself to, you know, some of the great racing that we've seen. But obviously, mm-hmm. with regards to their return, um, I think NASCAR has done everything that they can possibly do, you know, during a time in which most sports haven't returned yet. They have been able to come out and, and give something for us to be excited about. Um, I realize that, you know, a lot of us may or may not get to actually go to races this year, and I don't care. I realize that, you know, there is there is a pandemic going on, and as fun as it would be to go, I think that the fact that they're even just getting back to the racetrack, um, you know, and, and giving us something to watch on TV is really all that matters right now, and I give them a lot of credit for doing everything that they're doing. And to your point, Sharon, there there has been really short turnaround times, especially with the weather being what it was this week. Um, you know, to run, you know, three races in a few days and then only have a couple days off before they then start a succession of four days in a row of races, um, you know, at Charlotte, it's, uh, it's a, I'm sure it's a huge undertaking uh, by everyone involved and uh, get to give them a lot of credit where credit is due. And, you know, it's been awesome. Okay. Uh, Jay, any follow-up? Well, and and I think you also mentioned, I know the topics kind of started with the racing we saw, but like you said, NASCAR has been at the forefront on a couple levels. Uh, during the during the uh, shutdown, they did the uh, iRacing, you know, which again was, I wasn't a particular fan of, but I appreciate the fact that NASCAR was doing something, uh, have the capability and, and did a great job with the production of it. Uh, whether it was something I enjoyed or not, they did a phenomenal job in the production of it and providing it for those fans who did want to watch it and, and stay engaged. So, and then, like you said, that they're kind of the the front leader in returning to an event. I know they have the advantage; you are in an outdoor uh, arena, if you will, so mm-hmm. they have a little bit more leeway. But they definitely set the example on how to go about it procedure-wise and, and things that you need to do uh, as far as safety checks and keeping everything in check. So. Uh, I think they did a phenomenal job all the way around. Absolutely. Um, In my follow-up, I I didn't really address the question about the racing uh, with the return. And you're right, Andy, the racing, and I know we talked about this, the racing at Darlington I thought this week was absolutely fantastic. Uh, And and we did talk about the fact that the worn-out tracks produced some of the best racing and uh, uh, Darlington did not disappoint. Uh, I can't think of a better track for them to return to 
than Darlington Raceway. It's one of the more historic tracks in the circuit and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, considered one of the crown jewel um, racetracks along with Charlotte Motor Speedway. So that's two crown jewel tracks and races that we're talking about uh, for NASCAR's return back into action during this pandemic. So uh, Darlington did not disappoint. I really don't think that uh, Charlotte's going to disappoint this coming weekend uh, and week. And, uh, uh, again, I just have to give – I can't give enough kudos uh, to NASCAR and all of the people involved, the drivers, uh, the teams, everybody involved in uh, doing their part to get racing back on the track and and available for fans to enjoy. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, Sharon, real quick. um, Yeah, real quick, just, you know, I I wanted to comment that I I hate the fact, obviously, that some venues have lost dates. Um, You you hate Mm -hmm. to see that happen for any particular market and any any fans that are impacted by that. But if you're going to go somewhere, I'm just – super thrilled that it was Darlington. I think that uh, Darlington proved this week that maybe they still deserve to have two race weekends a year, um, you know, to get all this bonus racing there. In addition to what we'll see later in uh, September, um, it's just, it's just a great facility. And I think that it produced just some awesome races this week. So, um, you know, if, if, if you can't race elsewhere, you know, Darlington surely was a, a fantastic place to go. Yes, I, I really agree. Okay, Jay, it's your turn to come up with our hot topic, our next top, hot topic. Well, ironically, after uh, talking about all the things NASCAR did do right, I personally feel that they may have made a mistake. Um, they have come out and said that Chase Elliott will not be penalized for his gesture mm-hmm. that was on national TV as well as, and I know you, the way you read it earlier, he didn't cross the yellow line up onto the track, but he did not go directly to the ambulance, which I be- thought was the rule. Um, that is one of those that pop, most popular driver not, and I'm not saying I don't, I don't blame Chase Elliott for what he did, but the rule is the rule not for the situation, not who does it. And, and that's where I have a real issue, because I feel that had that been a different driver, or in this example, vice versa between the two drivers, that I think a fine would have been issued in it, or a penalty of some sort. And the fact that it was Chase Elliott, it didn't happen. And I don't particularly care for that. Okay. Uh, Andy, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we might have gone back and forth on this a little bit the other night. Um, I actually would have to look at the rule book because I, this is a rule that was issued a few years ago um, with regards to drivers entering a hot track and, you know, obviously the gesture, which we saw, um, but specifically to the topic of a driver exiting their car and and going up onto the racetrack or near the racing surface. um, I would have to look and see if that's been changed. I don't think it has, but I I honestly don't know. Um, So I would have to do some research on that. I saw something, from Steve O'Donnell that a fan had sent to him on Twitter and he mm-hmm. pretty much alluded, he alluded to the fact that that was six years ago when the, the rule that was being referenced was six years ago, which means maybe there's been some minor updates to the rule book that we don't know about that maybe have 
alleviated some of the penalty on that. I don't know. I'm just speaking from, from speculation. But nonetheless, to Jay's point, yeah, consistency, you know, is important. Um, you know, and it's hard to say if another driver did just that, if, if the verdict would be different. You do want to see consistency and you want to see the calls be made all the time. But, um, you know, I totally get why Chase Elliott did what he did. I think we can all agree on that. But, um, you know, so the other night when it happened, obviously my viewpoint was, well, good, he shouldn't be penalized, you know, because he was done wrong. But, um, you know, to Jay's point, Obviously, if another driver doesn't and gets penalized for it, that that's a problem. You, you want to see that consistency. So, I, I do agree in that aspect that you would hope that if um, if Kyle Busch were to do the same thing this weekend at Charlotte, that uh, they would come to the same verdict. So, um, but as far as the rules themselves, I, I really don't know if there's been any kind of updating. Um, but the rule was was implemented several years ago, so I don't really know. Um, if it's been relaxed or if it's the same or what the situation is. But nonetheless, I think the the point here is consistency in calls, and you would hope that moving forward that they would make that same exact call for anybody else. Yes, I know. I saw the uh, tweet that you're talking about as well that was sent to uh, um, Steve O'Donnell. I thought I had saved it here, uh, and I can't find it right now. But uh, you're right. Steve O'Donnell came back. He said that was six years ago. Things have changed. Uh, I think what makes it confusing for fans is that they're not aware of the change. Uh, And so that's why I think a lot of fans are upset. Uh, So maybe the one thing that NASCAR could take away from all of this is that if there are changes that are made, maybe they can – and I don't know if that's even feasible with everything else that they've got to deal with right now, but perhaps uh, they could do a better job of maybe uh, communicating with the fans when changes like that do take place. Um, But here's the thing. Uh, Here's the bottom line, I think, from that situation, and that is that uh, I don't think at any point, I don't think uh, Chase Elliott was in any danger. I don't think he put anyone else in any danger at any point. And um, uh, I do think that NASCAR made the right call. Uh, One thing I think Chase Elliott was very conscientious about is staying below that yellow line. And uh, could he have handled it a little bit differently? Certainly. But uh, to the point that we've been making here, we all understand his emotions at the time and what he was going through and why he was as upset as he was. Uh, I think NASCAR chose to, uh, since no one was in any danger, to let it go. And, uh, uh, you know, was it the right call or the wrong call? Um, I think in this particular situation, I think it was the right call. Now, Jay, I know you would probably disagree with that, so I I am really curious to hear what your thoughts are. Well, like, like Andy said, then if if Kyle Busch and I'll just take him off the top because that's one of the other on the opposite mm-hmm. end more polarizing, um, does the same thing that then the call is consistent. And from Correct. my viewpoint, what decisions have been made and calls up to this point now, and I will give you that maybe that rule has changed or been laxed, which I'm not sure it should be. We we know why that rule came into place, and we've seen some incidences in the past, so. Uh, I hope that they're not going lax on that um, 
rule because that is a huge safety one. Um, you know, and again, especially being at dirt tracks, I, I see um, come into play a lot. The other is within the garage area, or in this case, the pit area of a dirt track. But uh, for safety reasons, that there is a reason, a very good reason that that rule is in play. And I understand, and I'm not saying, that, like you said, that, that he wasn't necessarily in danger, but you know that the rule the rule is black and white if it is now that you can't go up above a certain line or whatever and he didn't then okay the gesture itself is also a part of my issue and i'm not one that truthfully is opposed to it if it's on tv it doesn't bother me but i know there are people that do and again nascar's got a reputation to protect if something like that happens that they need to take action or show that it's not acceptable Um, And like I said, I just feel like that maybe because of who the driver was in this case that got let slide. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's not that I want. It's it's not. What's that? Oh, he he was just telling him he was his number one fan. I think that's all that was anyway. (laughs) And like I said, I understand that. I actually would be okay with that, but not everybody is, and it's not a corporate. uh, How do you put it? You know. A corporate's not going to back that kind of action. Right. And, 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 and keep like mind, I said, the consistency, the consistency is where my issue comes in. So, Andy, what's your follow-up? Well, yeah, I, no, I agree with Jay 100% about the consistency. You know, if, if NASCAR is going to make the decision that they made for Chase Elliott, you would hope that no matter who it is moving forward, if they were in that exact spot, that the exact same verdict would be made because – Consistency is important. We've seen, you know, some inconsistencies and in, in, in whatnot in the past. And, you know, you would hope that, uh, you know, moving forward that they make that same call because I think that that's something that I think disappoints fans more than most anything else is, you know, favoritism and, and making, you know, certain calls based on whomever's at, uh, involved in something. So you want to see it be consistent, and you would hope that, you know, like I've said a few times already, moving forward, hopefully it's the same for everybody. Yes, and I do agree with uh, your assessments there. It's the consistency that fans look for. Um, and and I think NASCAR maybe could have done a better job of communicating the changes if there were changes uh, that happened somewhere within the last six years uh, with regard to this particular policy. Um but you're right, they want the consistency uh, in the call and making sure that if that's the way it's going to be for Chase Elliott, that it's like that for the other drivers as well. That being said, we are coming up on the uh, end of our two hours here on Fan Racing Radio. Uh, we will go off the air right at uh, our two-hour mark. Uh, however, uh, we will continue recording the rest of the conversation should we have more to discuss here. So uh, fans who have listened up to this point, you can just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. I will post on Twitter when the podcast is available. And uh, for those listening on the podcast, they'll be able to listen straight through. So with that being said, uh, I, I agree. It's the consistency that everybody's looking for here and uh, NASCAR has an obligation, I think, uh, to make sure that that happens. And I know that has not happened uh, necessarily in the past, but I do see NASCAR trying to make strides to make improvements, and maybe this is one of those areas. So with that being said, uh, 
Are we on a follow-up round here, or did we just do that? No, we. I think we're good. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on to the next topic, and Andy, I'll go to you for that. Uh, did you want to throw anything else, Sharon, topics-wise? Or I think Jay and I have well, been so far. Yeah, I'm kind of in between things here, so if you've got something, okay. go ahead and go with it. Um. I'm going to actually defer to Jay if that's okay, because I, I don't have a ton sure. on my list. So we'll, let's see what Jay's got up his sleeve here. Okay, Jay, what's up <laughs> <right>. his sleeve? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of a kind of a repeat uh, with the issue I have, but a different topic. And that and I think Andy was involved in a little bit of this during in the chat room. Um, you don't drivers say. with a <laughs> flat tire intentionally or appearing to possibly intentionally spin out to bring out the caution. And I know that's been come up before. Uh, drivers have admitted it, and then they said NASCAR, from my, this is my opinion on what NASCAR said, hey, if we can't prove it, we're not going to penalize you. If you admit it, we have to do something about it. So there again, I don't particularly like that answer. There were a couple incidences over these two Darlington races where people made it uh, – um, Comments that they was, I guess, uh, and I don't remember if it was Mike or Andy that said that they were hearing over the radio people calling out one driver, but then the next one didn't get called out, which I thought looked even more intentional. So I uh, just wanted to see what your guys' feedback was on that. And again, the consistency. And I don't want to see NASCAR have to make those judgment calls. But yeah. again, it, you know, it, it's how far do you let them go before you make it? Andy? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, we we did discuss this a little bit earlier in the week, Wednesday night during the Cup race. Um, there was a spin, I think, by Ryan Newman on Sunday, and then Matt Kenseth on Wednesday. And to personally, to me, I thought they spun out because they had a tire go down. That's all I really thought. I didn't actually think that it looked intentional, but I heard some chatter on on the scanner as well as some stuff I'd seen online that seemed to indicate that there were enough people that thought that uh, it seemed suspicious. So that's why I brought it up. And then, of course, uh, we got in a little bit of a debate about that the other night. But to me personally, since I don't drive a race car, I don't know what it feels like to have a flat tire um, going that fast. So I can only assume that it's hard to maintain control. But um, that being said, there is a distinct advantage to spinning out the car and causing a caution so that you don't lose a lot of track time. If you come to pit road under green with a flat tire, you're going to lose a lot more time than if you bring out a caution. So there, I mean, there's an obvious advantage. I think we know that, but to Jay's point, yeah, it, you can't prove it unless there's some, you know, something on the radio about it. Um, you know, there's really no way to prove it, but I think any driver would know what the advantage is if they have a flat tire to bring out the caution. So I'm not sure anything would need to be said on the radio anyway. So, um, you know, yeah, it, in, in, you know, we, we talk about not wanting to see penalties. I know we've talked about this a lot in the past. And, you know, if you nickel and dime a driver every time they spin out, even if it's unintentional or intentional, you know, I don't know that we really want to see penalty after penalty after penalty. Um, and again, personally, to me, I thought they just spun out because they had flat tires. I didn't really see anything malicious in either case. So um, it's probably best to just let it go and move on to the next race. Um you know, yeah, I'm sure that 
when cautions come out, sometimes it benefits drivers and sometimes it's a detriment to other drivers on the racetrack, but cautions and flat tires and spins and wrecks are all part of racing. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, whether it's intentional or not, but I think that probably nine times out of 10, you're not going to be able to have any hard evidence against it either way. So, um, I think we just have to accept the fact that, um, those incidents are a part of racing and, um, we just move on. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Andy. I didn't really see it as anything suspicious. I thought they had flat tires. I think that's kind of hard to fake. Um, and they lost control of the car as a result of that and spun out. Um, now, do, uh, do I know that there are situations where people have purposely created cautions in order at a timely moment uh, to help a teammate or whatever? Sure, uh, that happens. But... You guys are right. It's going to be extremely hard, I think, for NASCAR to uh, micromanage that. It's very hard to prove. It's <laughs> there, there are just so many factors working against it, and a lot of these guys know that. So they become proficient at maybe making those kind of things happen. But when it comes to a flat tire, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a flat tire while driving at high speeds, uh, but that's that's something that's a little bit difficult to uh, fake, if you will. Um, so I, I tend to believe that in this case, these guys had flat tires and they spun out, and, and that's the end of the story. Uh, and, and a lot of times these things, when they happen at opportune moments that help somebody, uh, the, the, it depends on which side of the line you stand on your perception of what happened with that spin. If it hurts your driver... Uh, you're going to be a lot more suspicious than if uh, your driver is the guy who who has the flat tire. So uh, I I think that it's it's really really difficult uh, for NASCAR to manage uh, suspicious activity in that regard. Uh, I don't condone it, but at the same time, I'm realistic enough to know uh, that it's not likely that NASCAR is going to be able to do a whole lot about that. So uh, frustration is understood, but at the same time, it it is a part of this sport. So uh, I guess that's about all I've got to say. So, (laughs) Jay, what are your thoughts? Jay, we can't hear you. Jay? You can't hear me no more? Oh, there we go. There you are. You're back. Okay, I said, I said, I said, Andy, we're still friends, right? I believe we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you you left a little bit out to that story there. The drivers you mentioned, the one that brought me into the conversation was when Clint Boyer spun out, and nobody in the chat room said anything. That's where I got fired up because to me, that one looked the most like an intentional, and to me. I'm not disputing that they had a flat tire. I'm not disputing that it is hard to control, but it's when they get to the bottom tra- bottom of the track and it hasn't spun out yet. And there is another hard turn to ensure it does. And again, it goes back to Bubba Wallace actually got warned, I believe by NASCAR for doing it when he did it. The ones that Andy mentioned there along with the Clint Boyer one, which he didn't for some reason, um, 
nothing got said. And I know you said there was chatter amongst other teams, and that's bound to happen. Again, you know, like Sharon said, depending on which side of the line is, your driver, your favorite driver, your team driver, whatever. Um, and I by no means do I want NASCAR involved in making a call like that. But I do think that it needs to be readdressed again because that was three different, very specific ones that were on camera that certainly looked like, like I said, when they got to the bottom of the track, should have been able to get it under control, slow down and straighten it out and then go. Um, but all of a sudden there was another hard turn and it went all the way around. And I, going back to Bubba Wallace's, his was with just cause because he had actually gotten it onto the apron, straightened out, and then all of a sudden looped around. And there ain't no way all of a sudden if you didn't spin out coming off the banking with it going straight, you're going to loop it around the way he did. So um, that one was one where I would have backed NASCAR penalizing because that one was pretty obvious. Um, but just because somebody's better at it doesn't mean they should get away with it either. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Oh, it's okay, Jay. Um, everyone likes to take out and clean anyway. But, <laughs> but um, no, actually, because I was listening to them, I can just maybe try to tell you what happened. Obviously, he he got tight behind a couple of cars in front of him and smacked the wall off of two, I think it was. And it did, in fact, cut the right rear down, which is why they spun. Um, there was no, in case anyone's wondering, there was no weird communication or anything. It was all of a sudden, because the scanner is actually probably like five or ten seconds ahead of the broadcast. And all I heard was, oh, crap, we're wrecking in, in three or whatever it was. And then next thing you know, you, you saw him spin around. So, but, And then as the car came back to pit road, the, the right rear was clearly down. So, it, it, you know, if anyone thinks that it was, malicious or intentional that's just not the case in this this incident but um which is why i didn't even mention it because it didn't even cross my mind in fact it you know i was referring to the other spins because when we brought the subject up it was actually i think before that even happened with the 14 car anyway so it was regarding i know the six car brought up some discussion on sunday and the 42 car brought up some discussion on Wednesday night, and then obviously Clint spun, but again, that was because of a right rear, because of damage from hitting the wall, so, um, and I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how many cup cars you've driven, but I have never driven one, so I don't know what it feels like, um, I don't know what it feels like to have a tire go down and try to save it or keep it straight or anything like that, so, um, can't really, can't really talk about it, I've never driven a cup car, I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree Andy, because is you can be down and and hit something. It could be even the the incline. You know how the incline meets the the apron. That could kind of throw throw things off a little bit, enough to make you make a, a turn that you weren't expecting to make. So I I don't really I I feel somewhat uncomfortable in these situations that you guys are referencing because I did not see. Uh, what you're telling me that you saw. So uh, that makes it uh, a little hard for me to, uh, I guess, uh, fairly uh, comment on it. But I I just got to believe that uh, a tire like that uh, is something that's going to be difficult to fake. And uh, there there just might be a a lot more to it than what meets the eye as as an observer. So I, I... 
if there is something more to it, it, it's, it is wrong. And I would think that these guys would have enough integrity not to do those kind of things. Uh, but we know that when it comes to competition and keeping a sponsor, and especially during difficult economic times that we are uh, experiencing now, uh, that uh, those, it's not out of the realm of possibility either. So I, 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 I'm, at this point, I just got to uh, hope and pray that these drivers are not doing uh, dishonest things on the track uh, to manipulate a race. So I'll just leave it at that. Jay, any follow-ups? Again, I am not disputing that they have a flat tire or that occasionally it can't be saved, but there are have been a couple um, that that makes you wonder, uh, especially, unfortunately, again, when it comes to certain drivers, and I know the history with Clint Boyer in particular, that he might get targeted a little bit more because of said incident with uh, Michael Waltrip Racing. But I also look at some of the lower-tier teams that can afford to wreck their car that have a flat and don't spin out as well as guys that go 180, 190 miles an hour and get 80 to 90% sideways and can save it, you know, at top speed. These guys are the top drivers in the cup level for a reason. But when it comes to having a flat and they have to pit and it's going to cost them all of a sudden they can't handle the car. Mm. Oh. Like I say, it would really make me sad to think if that's what's going on, but it's not without, not outside of the realm of possibility. Okay. Um, Jay, do you have any more up your sleeve there? <laughs> uh, no, those were the two that came up, like I said, come up during the uh, the chat room there that, that we had during the race. Um, overall, again, I, I know I had a couple of things that I wasn't happy or liked about what's going on. But I would say as a whole, again, NASCAR did a phenomenal job getting back to racing, the way they went about it, procedures, things they did to ensure that the drivers, you know, again, they didn't get practice time, so the competition yellow. And I think there's some very intriguing things when it comes to Wednesday night racing. I know we saw some uh, TV numbers that came out, uh, maybe not have been as good as what was expected. However, the rain came into play. Um, so I'm really excited about the future of NASCAR and I know the the schedule, uh, the way the rest of the year is going to play out is going to be hectic and jumbled and confusing, but uh, they're doing a phenomenal job. Uh, you you got to give them that uh, without a doubt. And again, not a position I'd want to be in by any means, because uh, like you said, there's things people screaming, well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Okay. What about the <laughs> lot of things they have done, done well, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um and and uh i i agree with you 100% i um uh am happy to see the racing back and uh i'm looking forward to how we proceed from here uh and and what some of the changes might be moving forward even though i've got a bad feeling that some of those changes might not be changes that i'm really happy about uh and, and i'm referencing chicagoland speedway and iowa speedway i hope that the rumors are not true. I hope that uh, Chicagoland uh, can resume races uh, in the 21 season, uh, as, long, as well as Iowa Speedway, and, and uh, we can move forward from there. But we'll see what happens. Uh, time always tells the rest of the story, right? It does. 
Um, you know, I, I'd like to think that maybe we'll see more of a sense of normalcy next year, but obviously this year is just a weird year, um, as evidenced by what we've already seen with racing. I've never seen a season, you know, get, um, you know, messed up this much for lack of a better term. So, uh, but I'm just glad it's back. I think that they probably went through a lot of red tape to, to even get this far. So, um, you know, if, if we have to settle to watching races on TV with no fans at the tracks this year, I'm okay with that. I think that, um, you know, they're, they're going through a lot of work and effort to, to even provide what they're providing for us. So I'll take it. Um, you know, I, I really, um, really can't complain that much. I think things could be worse for sure. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and do our round table here. Uh, and go ahead and close it out then. And, uh, Jay, we'll go ahead and start with you on this one. All right. You can follow me on Michael Hoosman at Facebook and MoparMJ8, Twitter and Instagram. Not real sure yet uh, what I'm doing this weekend. Got a lot of options. Again, Magnolia Motor Speedway right here in Columbus, Mississippi, opening back up with fans, having a world championship for 602 crate late models. Um, so if I'm around town, obviously I would expect to go over there, but got a couple options outside of town too. So don't know yet. You'll have to tune in. It'll be a surprise where I pop up. <laughs> okay. Andy. Uh, yeah, for Twitter, uh, Alaski 14. And, uh, I'm going to actually write something, uh, hot topics related this afternoon, um, I'm talking specifically about midweek races. I purposely didn't address it on the show because I want to write about it. But I think that um, I'll just just to give a preview. I think NASCAR might be onto something, so I'll give my opinion on that. And um, just got to give a we didn't really talk about it. Maybe you guys did earlier, but just a huge shout out to to Chase Briscoe yesterday. Obviously, I think most of every, most everyone knows I've been a fan of his for a bit. Sharon, I know you're a fan too, and I think Jay, your girlfriend's a pretty big fan too. So just uh Huge win yesterday. I think, you know, I've been watching this for 19 years, and to me that one ranked up there with Ward Burton's 02-500 win. That was just a just a big deal for a lot of different reasons um, and uh, just a, just an incredible race. I think that just tells you what Darlington can produce and just, just, just awesome. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to him and his team, and, you know, I think I, I think I can speak for everybody that we're all thinking of him and his family this week. Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Andy, because uh, we did get a chance to talk about it, and we all kind of had the similar uh, feelings about it. Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I do think that uh, everybody was happy to see Chase Briscoe in victory lane after that event, uh, and everybody felt the emotions uh, that he was experiencing, and um, it was it was uh, definitely one for the record books as far as I'm concerned. Uh, anytime a driver can beat Kyle Busch uh, is one for the record books. And in this case, uh, to do it under the emotional stress that he was under is is uh, even more phenomenal. So uh, that was fantastic. Um, and I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter. We are Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else on uh, social media. Uh, We've put out a few articles this week. I know Owen's probably going to have a winners and losers as well as his power ranking this week. Um, uh, I know Mike's got some things in the pipeline here, so we'll be getting those things out. And uh, Andy's Hot Topic article sounds really good. 
and uh, definitely looking forward to the racing this weekend at at, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, and, uh, you know, the early part of next week. So um, a shout-out to all the listeners. Uh, We appreciate you for tuning in. And uh, definitely uh, we will be back next Thursday. We will not be on on uh, the air on Friday. I'm sorry, on Monday. But we will return next uh, Thursday night uh, to do our review and preview of the, the races this weekend and the upcoming races at Bristol. So, uh, Jay, did you have anything more you wanted to say? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. Four days of uh, four days of racing, uh, and we unfortunately got to think about it. Hopefully, the weather stays away and this all goes off smoothly because uh, NASCAR really did pack it in this weekend at Charlotte. So, hope that all goes well. Yes, Andy. Any uh, closing comments? No, I think I'm good. Obviously, uh, got a couple days off here, and then four more days of racing, which I'm really excited about. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool schedule. I mean, uh, it's fun to see all these races, you know, the midweek stuff, the weekend stuff. It's just, just a lot going on, and I just think it's all pretty cool. So definitely uh, excited for um, this weekend and just wish everybody a happy Memorial Day. Okay, and I just thought about the points. Uh, we need an overall point update on our uh, fantasy game, Jay. Do you have that available? All right. Give me if not, we can do it yeah. social media. No, uh, do you happen to have it here? Uh, Cup Series, we'll start at the top there. Uh, Andy actually leads that 30-29 to 29 over myself. Sharon's at 24. Sam and Owen at 17. James at 13. Mike at 2. Again, Owen came in a little bit late, even with the first four races. Mike just joined us, so don't let those lack of numbers there throw you. Uh, Xfinity, that one is uh, right now top battle is between Andy and Sharon, 18 to 15. Sam and I with 13 each. Owen at eight. James at four. Mike at three. The trucks, what did we have? Two races in there. That one's a a little bit closer due to that. Sharon leads that one at seven. Sam and I are tied at six. I'm sorry, Owen's also at six. And then James and Andy at two. Mike hasn't had a chance. He's got Kyle Busch in his first race out, so... Might be able to jump right up in there into the points lead with seven <laughs> points if he wins it. Boy, um, and that puts the over. What's that? I said, boy, that's a sleeper. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, overall points, Andy, as you heard there, was in most of those battles. Uh, leads at fifty. I'm at forty-eight. Sharon is at forty-six. Only four points difference there. Sam at 36, Owen at 31, James at 19, and again, Mike just joining us already has five points. Okay. Well, thank you, Jay, for uh, taking care of that for us throughout the season. We appreciate it. And uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, guys. All right. All right. Good talk to you next we'll Thursday. You <laughs> okay. Good night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.